0: All right, welcome back to the I Am there Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And today we have a special guest with us, Marcus Hayden, a YCS champion, uh, ARG champion, I believe, as well. Uh, he's topped a couple different things. He's one of the best players in the last 10 years, for sure. And one of my close friends, before he ever won anything or topped anything, I've known this kid for a long time. Before we get into that, though, I do want to give a quick shout out to our patrons over at Patreon. So we do have a Patreon where we have exclusive content episodes that only drop on that platform. You can't get them anywhere else, uh, as well as video versions of the podcast. So if you're interested in that type of thing, you can check that out. Also, you can join the I Am Nerd Discord by subscribing to the lowest level of our Patreon for just $3. So that's another thing that's available. But check it out. See if you are interested in that type of thing. We have other perks, too. I don't want to go over all of them, but I do want to at least give a shout out because I do that for every single person decides to uh, join our patreon so at the beginning we have connie austin leon quest garen hylian TCG automotive silver chronic tyree tinsley dimitri barnes alexander brissett Vinny casello dominique roberts game for Yoshi, alex flamer Gabe marini henry reynolds cj WK Dad one saw at dabbers gaming cafe in georgia dan variable dennis milburn joseph Marcello, scott page red vines and first to home thank you guys so much we really appreciate it as I always say it goes a long way Without further ado, let's get into this Yu-Gi-Oh! Talk with Marcus Hayden. So, Marcus, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. It's been a great day. I called off work today because I had an interview, so nice. feeling pretty good. Oh, I yep. love
0: that. Wait, you called Damn. off work because you have an interview for a number of
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, <I love laughs> you that. do.
2: That's Listen, what you gotta
0: I'm do. Listen, I'm the master of that. I'll use some PTO or FTO, whatever you want to call it, to, uh, to interview for a different company when I'm not satisfied.
2: That so. is FTO. Right.
0: Uh, So my company actually has unlimited time off and it's called FTO, which stands for flex time off instead of paid time off. Um, Mm. We don't have a set number of days in my company because it's a tech company. So like, I guess just like Google and a lot of the other tech companies, they don't just say, oh, you have three weeks. You can just take off as much as you want. But the caveat to that is obviously they expect you to be an adult and to be reasonable and also to get your work done. So there are people who take off for two months in the summertime to go to like India or China to visit their family and that's the only time they take off the entire year there are people who take a week like every single month of the year for the most part um however you want to do it but yeah fto it's a blessing and a curse because sometimes it's awkward like you'll feel weird when you're overusing it but then at the same time you'll see other people just wall it out so it's like i i this guy took off so much i'm taking off more because i feel like i'm getting i'm not getting my fair share at that I'm point getting juiced yes getting juiced. Right. so some people don't use that really at all which is which is crazy to me but um I do, I do like the idea that, you know, we don't have a specific number of days and all that. You just take as much time as you need. You don't have to call this sick time. You don't have to call it paid time off. It's all just one That's bucket. Yeah. It's, it's so, a very interesting
2: concept. This is so off topic, but I just wanted to ask real quick. Is there any buildup of sick? Like, I know some jobs and careers, I should say, when... The more sick days and sick time you don't take by the time you retire, like you get all yes. of that money. So
0: what happened in 2017, when my company decided to get rid of PTO, they paid everyone all of their sick days that had accumulated. Mm, okay. They paid everyone all of their sick days and their PTO because at the time they were, you know, were like a regular company and they were doing, you know, you get this many of you worked here for this many amount of years. You had this many weeks. So people who just had time that carried over. Uh they paid them for those days. So they didn't just get G'd out of all of their time. They actually got a check for it, which is really nice. And oh, then, yeah, and then they switched everybody over to this new thing where, you know, you just have unlimited technic like technically it's really unlimited. So
1: oh, that's so awesome. I'm yeah. so envious. As long as you're like responsible, that seems
0: yeah, like way more ideal. Right? Like I know what I'm doing. Like I've been doing this for a while. I know my job is very cyclical because I'm an accountant, so it's really easy for me to know when I can take off. For example, like the first YCS back, the one that's in North Carolina, I think it is. Um, I can't go to that because th- this is the busiest time of the year for me, March and April. So my company's being audited right now. And I am like swamped with work. I have so much to get done. And, and the end of March and the beginning of April is when it's at its worst. The spring so, is
2: always the busiest for accountants, right? Yeah,
0: because we also so I'm not a tax accountant, but the tax accountants have it really bad, right? Because everyone's doing their taxes right now. So, yeah. and every business usually is filing tax, like there's a lot going on with tax work. And that's even just filing extensions. You could end up filing thousands of extensions. When I was an intern back in like, I don't know, 2009 or something, um, I used to file extensions as an intern. And that shit, even though in a thousand of those, is just a lot of work. So, it's one now, of those it's one of those things where yeah this is a busy season for us
2: now my man marcus whenever he goes into a job interview i'm like do you guys have fto <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't think many people have it. i'm i am curious though marcus what do you do if you don't mind me asking
1: oh so i'm actually about to switch into something completely different if okay. i mean you know so so long as things go well so yeah I, let, let me backtrack a bit uh so when COVID happened, I graduated May of 2020 from college. So okay. a lot of jobs in my field, because I had a marketing major, uh, a lot of them were on hiring freezes. Uh, I, I don't know if they're like less essential or, or what, uh, but a lot of marketing places were on hiring freezes during that time. So I wanted to work uh, and, and, you know, not sit around, do nothing. So, and I moved out to Cincinnati to live with at my, at the time, uh, my fiance, now my wife. Uh so I ended
2: gonna... better. That ended better than I thought I was going to go. When you said at the time my fiance, I was like, oh, I was kid. "God yeah. damn it!" Then yeah. it was my wife. I was like, "All right, sweet." That ended better than I thought it was
0: going to go. And congratulations yeah, ha- on that
1: too. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, all happy endings here, man. I own a house and and out here now too, so I'm all happy. But Very nice. Uh, yeah, for for work though, I started working in revenue cycle, uh, and essentially what that is, they partner with hospitals to from start to finish when a patient comes in to when they leave get uh the billing set up and then the billing paid and so we really chase the insurance companies uh but that's not something i'm like super passionate about or what i want to do right. for the rest of my life yeah so not, now that things are a lot more opened up I, i'm and you know now that i've got a lot of work experience from my belt i'm kind of going out and chasing more so after my degree yeah nice. I mean, that's good how old are you uh, just turned 24.
0: Okay. So you're still young enough where you can pivot into something else. It's good that you are aware that yeah. this is not what you want to do for the rest of your life, because trust me, like working a job that you just don't like, or that you're not really passionate about, it's really hard and it does wait on you year after year after year.
1: Have you been in that boat yourself before?
0: For sure. When I first started working the company I worked for, I did not really like it. Um, the first two years and then I got out. And then I, st- I worked another six years at another company and I liked it at first. And then it started to slowly erode and I just hated every every direction it was going in. I started to notice there was no diversity in any of the top offices, like all of the offices that had all the managers and stuff. They were all just white, old white men. And it just right. it, it just wasn't it. The company, uh you know, tried to pretend like they were very progressive, but they were actually just not in any way. And then as soon as I got a new job, much closer to home. So my commute went from like an hour and a half. To literally 15 minutes, which is insane. So much more time I got back. Uh and now it's just I work remotely. But when I got my job at the at my current company, um I realized that there's just a lot better out there as far as not only pay but the diversity aspect of it and just like seeing people who look like you in the same field and companies that have managers that are also not just white men. It's just you know so those things matter. And I'm glad that like I work for a company at the very least like they actually do showed that uh aspect so
2: the bright side of fraser's old job is that during the commute, you got to read one piece
0: i did i actually read all of <laughs> one piece back when i used to commute all the way out an hour and a half two and back i read one piece on the train every single day until i caught up from start to finish that's how i ended up starting it and and i am so happy i did that because it's uh, it's easily to me the best manga i've ever read but
1: yeah, it's yeah. my it's my favorite anime. Is the one I st- got me into anime. So
0: Damn. yeah, let's go. Favorite yeah, anime. But I, okay.
1: I'm only like 860 or 70 episodes in right now. I was actually watching it earlier today. What there, are they? Uh, uh, so. I don't I would it be spoilers if I kind of say it? I, so, I mean,
0: we're going to be talking about one piece a little bit right here. We're not. But right. Kenny and I are probably no, further than you, but we're not. Spoiler gonna...
2: alert for anybody. But yeah, around episode 800. But you're not going to spoil anything for me or for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh right
1: now, I forget his name, but he's fighting the dude on Big Moms like in the mirror world. Uh, oh, he's like Kata a one Kata point, Kata yeah. Yeah, yeah he's like the one point some odd million bounty, yep. and he's
2: getting, yeah, Luffy's getting his ass beat right now. Oh, so.
0: yeah, that guy's insane. It's her son, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: it's yeah. Her, I think it's her second or third son.
0: Yeah, Katakuri is ridiculous. That's one of the uh iconic fights in One Piece already. Like, that's a classic.
2: Oh, yeah, it, I can already tell.
0: Yeah, that guy has uh, what's cool about him is that he has a devil fruit very similar to Luffy's mm-hmm. and technique it's just straight up better really like that and that's kind of the point of that fight is you ran into your natural enemy you know you ran into somebody who could do all of your techniques which he shows him he could do them better right it's like luffy only has two hands but katakuri's like well i can have 18 hands and still do a gatling
1: yeah and he can separate it from his limbs and stuff too yeah
0: he has a disjoint if you if you play smash you know how broken it is to have a disjoint
1: oh i love smash i'm a big smash guy
0: Oh, we have we have so much in common, Marcus. I have a question for you. So sure. like, you won YCS Minneapolis in twenty sixteen, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, at the end of twenty sixteen. Okay. Yep.
0: Uh is that your first top?
1: Uh well technically it was my first YCS top. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so you've talked like
0: an ARG or something before that, I guess. Is that what you're gonna
1: I, I actually had a nationals top in twenty fifteen, but I was terrible back then. Like yeah. that was one of the events where oh, I did it. Yeah, it, it was just oh, a lucky like, I got strand a of events. Stop,
2: but I was bad.
1: <laughs> it, well, it, it was like it, sometimes you'll go through events where you're just insanely lucky, and like even when you yeah. win, you do need that luck. Yes. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but the event I won, as I was playing, like I felt like I was also outplaying the opportunities that I had to. Yeah. That uh, that event I topped, uh, and I thought, you know, I could go to Worlds because uh, I lost in top sixteen in 2015 to Matt Kalinda. Uh, I had also just played really bad throughout that event. Like, especially looking back at it and thinking about a lot of the things that I did, mm-hmm. uh, even on I, like I, I even have a match on stream, and it's like, why did like what was going through my mind when I did that? And I was just much younger and and a lot less. Uh,
0: yeah, you're a very young duelist. Like, granted, it's weird because you're 24 right now, but I knew you since before you were 18.
1: Oh yeah, since I was like 16. You're mm-hmm. so it's funny because you were talking about how you guys would uh, look up to pros and stuff and and your guys' experience, uh, I think, on the episode with Dale. Yeah. And uh, as you're saying that, it's funny as I'm listening, because you were that for me, but you actually were one of the few pros that I went up to and actually like reciprocated, talked to me, kind of yes. continued to be friendly at further events. It's not like you just met me and forgot who I was. You would be <laughs> like, oh, hey, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. And at the
0: uh, event, I actually, well, it, it became a thing. Like, uh, So we, when we first met, like, you were really young, and I forget, I don't know if it was, like, Columbus or something. I don't know why Columbus seems like an event, but anyway, wherever we first met, after that, yeah, I started to, like, talk to you at every event, and then it got to a point where we literally would, like, meet up at every event, and I would mm-hmm. I would meet up with all your friends, which is so cool, because I think you have one of the best stories from my perspective, because I knew your entire group before oh, yeah. you had won a YCS, and then all of you ended up winning a YCS.
1: Oh, yeah. So it's kind of similar to your story, too, right? With yeah. like how McKee, you and your friends Silverman. were little rivals. Yes. Yeah. And, and no one was really successful. And then out of nowhere, it was like everyone
0: was. Yeah. Like, kind of You literally like did the exact same thing. It's crazy.
1: Right. And it, it was funny, too, because I was the first one in my group to really start it all. And it was kind of the same for you, right?
0: Yeah. I, well, no, Silverman started it in my group. Like so Silverman in Philly and okay. my local Silverman was the first person to like kick it off. And then I came after him and then I won. And then McCabe won an ARG like uh, a couple years after that. Uh, But they had both topped YCSs or Shonen Jump Championships, whatever they were at the time. They both, both of them topped before I ever did. But they also traveled when I did not travel. I never took a plane until that event that I won, I took a plane for the first time. So the event was not close by to Philadelphia, then I just didn't go to it.
1: Yeah, I was kind of that way a lot when I was younger as well.
2: Yeah. Something that I thought was funny about you saying Fraser, but, "Oh, hey Marcus, is that not everybody would know this, but there's two Frasers. There's like Fraser either A in a bad mood, like bad mood and good mood <laughs> Fraser. Bad mood Fraser is like the most disrespectful person you'll ever see, but good mood Fraser is the most bubbly like, "Oh, hey!" Like he's so fucking bubbly and shit. <laughs> Yeah, but if, he's in a, if he's in a serious or bad mood, it's like, don't even talk to him. Yeah, just leave me <laughs> I, alone.
1: I feel like he was really good about not being like bad mood, Frazier.
0: I,
2: I can't really recall yeah, many yeah, times he was I ever was, like, like that, to be honest. And, in Yu Gi Oh! events, he was usually bubbly.
0: Yeah, the thing is, so I, there are things that obviously can set me off. I mean, as there are probably with everyone, especially when I was younger, and I talk about this a lot. Like, I've had some very bad moments before where I kind of blew up on even some of my friends. And I've blown yeah. up, and this is all just from ego, right? Because I, I, and maybe you felt some of this market, but you're such you're you're one of those people who's like very. I don't want to use the word perfect, but like you're very in control <laughs> of like how you treat people and how you talk to people, and your ego. I feel like, whereas I was not when I was younger. So when I was 20 years old and I won a YCS, like my ego was out of control, and with that right. comes a lot of toxic traits and i you know i i own up to that i take accountability for the way i used to be because i definitely could be condescending to people but i think around the time when you met me i was a fucking sweetheart like you know if i met you like i don't know 2012 or something and i just wasn't having a good day and you talk like i would say hi and everything like that but then it would be kind of very high and by and i don't even want to entertain any conversation at all Um, uh but then i started to change that as i got older because i realized you know I didn't was want anybody to
2: 2016? exactly like yeah.
0: I didn't want anybody to treat me like that. Also, I was kind of I knew I was I knew in 2015, 2016 I was slowly getting out the game. Like the event that you won, Marcus, I played a 51 card metal specter deck. It yeah. <laughs> so was like some homebrew I made, which is like Metal Foe and Magic Spectres combined. Guys, if you haven't seen it, it's a YouTube video where I topped I topped 16 uh the YCS in Minneapolis 2016 with that deck. I literally made that deck up, Shu Ping. I tested it with Shu Ping, even though, obviously, he didn't touch the deck. He said, I'm not going anywhere near that. You're out of your <laughs> mind. You're not going to do well with that. You're crazy. And then I ended up topping, and I think he ended up dropping out. It was just like, I thought the deck had a good idea. Ties of the Brethren had just came out, I think. And that card was an auto-win if you resolved it at any point. So, right uh, But I just, yeah, I don't know. I've always been, like, a person that tries to, you know, you know better, you do better. So I, the Yu-Gi-Oh! community has come a long way as far as toxic behavior. And just being condescending and treating people a certain way because of your ego and because of how many tops you have and how many wins you have and all that stuff. Like, I, I, I just I'm so over that. I've been over that for years now, right. like more than half a decade. Um, But I just, you know, and those groups still exist out there who they're just those people who like the elitist, I guess you can call it. Right. Like,
1: yeah. You know. I, I was about to say it, it kind of uh, is festered because of those groups like because i noticed it in myself a little bit when i used to be in some of those groups mm-hmm. uh where you know they they kind of talk down on others and will talk up their group really well so you start to believe in it yourself yep. but it's easy uh, to I,
0: buy into it and it, and honestly the bad part is it feels good because you're surrounded by people who are also successful right and it, it, it kind of proliferates because of that you're surrounded by a group of people who you know i've had some crazy hotel rooms with some I remember in a hotel, you say there are 14 rings in this room right now. Like that right. is so many wins. It'd be like literally like six people It was like, there are 14, right? Like there are literally 14 wins in this room, which is fucking insane. Um, but it's just like that. Once the, once the t- conversation started, they go into those places where it's like, oh, you know, these people are so bad and that stuff. It's just like, yeah, uh, uh, right. it's, it's hard to not, it's hard to not join in on that fun. Yeah.
1: Uh, I do feel like the community's moved away from that a lot more, though, in recent years.
0: Yeah, I think it's gotten a lot better, and a lot of it now is usually just, it becomes a meme immediately, like, if anyone tries to get too serious on Zodiac Duels or something, like, they just get memed to death. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I do like that. Now the community just kind of takes it in stride. It doesn't, like, it's really hard to piss off the community by being an asshole now. Like, you kind of just get shunned, and that's what should happen, and, you know, be done with it. Right. Yeah, I've I've known you for a very long time. So seeing you, Faisal Khan, Muhammad, his brother, all three Dominic of you, Couch. Or, yeah, Dominic Couch. Like, it's actually nuts to me how I knew all of you as children. And then all of you just somehow went. And then Faisal and his brother, didn't they fucking win back-to-back or something?
1: Oh, yeah. And Faisal's in finals at, at those back-to-back events. He lost to his brother the first time in the finals. And the next event, he won. That's, That's that, so that is, So
0: the brothers went back-to-back finals.
1: Uh, well, he didn't play his brother again the second time, okay, okay. Faisal, but I think I want to say Imran still topped that second event in a row. They were just really, really good with the Spiral deck, too.
0: Yeah, that, that's just an insane story. Like, that is, and Imran's so quiet, like, I, most people probably don't even know him because he's such a quiet champion. Like, that guy won, and I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen Imran. Uh, like, I know he's still, I think I, think I saw him top something kind of recently, because I know I saw Faisal doing well somewhere, but... I haven't been right. keeping up too much, but I was like, Oh shit. Faisal still plays every once in a while. But
1: it's yeah, like, I, I yeah. almost did that master duel three V three with them, but, uh, Faisal backed out, uh, because he just felt like he wanted to practice more. And that's the type yeah. of guy he is though. I kind of love it. Cause he's my rival. Yeah. Uh, but at the at same time, it's, uh, it's so weird now that we're all grown up. So we used to like hate each other. Uh, oh. our story is a little different. Yeah. We used to not like each other. Uh, and we were rivals uh but then like as time went on it kind of put i i don't know if that's what pushed us but it pushed us a lot and we both got a lot better and got a lot closer over time so, wait, so
0: what? why didn't you guys like each other
1: i just thought he was like really condescending and mean to people and annoying and faisal's hilarious
0: and, he and so i got along with him immediately because of what you're saying <laughs> like, <laughs> me and faisal because i'm mean so me and faisal when, when i first met you and then you introduced me to him and this is before he had topped anything. Like, he was just completely, yeah. like, just Faisal Khan. You knew him, I knew him, and that was it. And I thought his sense of humor, he was so fucked up. Oh,
1: yeah, but, he's so nice now, though.
0: Yes, he's very, like, I, don't get me wrong. This is all in the past. It's behind us. But when I first, I remember when I first met him, I'd say very crass things. And I'd say very, like, rude things. And he would laugh and then say things back. And I, I love that. Like, I, I anybody who can volley with me, you're my friend already. So, but, yeah. So All you guys, right. you guys pretty much didn't get on because you're, you're a fucking sweetheart. I don't know how else to put it, but like you are, I can't, get, oh, it's hard to get you to say, I can't get you to say bad things about people unless they're truly despicable. You know what I mean?
1: You got me to get mad at you once, I think ever. And oh, it was in the online DC oh, final table so we were let's, at.
0: Let's talk about that. So, <laughs> so guys, if you guys don't know, during the pandemic, I play another card game called DC deck building. It's one of my favorite card games ever. It's not a trading card game. It's a deck building game. Uh, have you ever mm-hmm. played what's it called is it it's not oblivion what's that damn game called uh that it's kind of derived from it's another deck building game uh, ascension ascension, ascension. Yes, Yeah, and, ascension. and i think dominion too but yeah ascension is derived from ascension so it's kind of like that so if you ever played ascension which is like the the biggest version of a deck building game it's the first uh that's right. what it's derived from but it's dc so it's batman the flash superman wonder woman martian man hunter all that stuff and the game is amazing And there's this Discord community that has its own rule set and its own cube, and they do tournaments, and we play in it and everything like that. I am under a secret identity in that group, because when I first decided to quit Yu-Gi-Oh!, and I wanted to start in another card, like, I guess, community, I didn't want to be, like, known, and it was online anyway, so nobody would physically see me. Uh, So I didn't want to really be known, and so I made up a name, and I was playing under that name, and one day... (laughs) Uh, Marcus Hayden happened to be because his name is just fucking Marcus Hayden on everything, so like I can just tell it's him, whereas he can't tell it's me except by a voice. And we ended up playing each other in one of the rounds uh, this in this tournament, like in one of the top cut rounds, like in the finals or something. And it was
1: final table, <laughs>
0: yeah, final table. We're playing each other, and I'm being an asshole, but I'm doing it on purpose because I like he doesn't realize it's me, but I know it's him. And he messaged me, he's like, yo. Are you playing in this tournament right now? Because I swear this guy sounds like you, and I'm like, no, I'm actually out right now shopping. Wow, what's up? And he's like, yo, I swear this guy sounds like you, but he's ah. he's such an asshole. <laughs> and so, because I haven't seen you like that ever in my life, yo, so I did not oh think my it was you. God, so I'm this fully is amazing. I'm, and mind you, I'm in voice chat texting. Like, I'm quietly texting, and I I turn my mic on meat, so you can't even tell, like, I'm doing anything. And then I would unmute myself and then speak more trash to Marcus as we're playing the match. And he's getting pissed. Then he texts me back. He says, okay, there's no way this asshole is you. He is too much of a dickhead. And I was like, like, oh, my God. Marty was talking about me the whole time. This was one of the best things ever.
1: Yeah, literally right after he came clean and yes. was telling me how he was trolling me and stuff. I was but, trolling uh,
0: him the hardest, and I I've never seen you genuinely got mad too, and I've never seen you like that. But I I get it because I was going above and beyond to be an asshole. Like
1: I, yeah, but looking back, it's hilarious and oh, and it's, it's funny. One of my be- stories. Yeah, and it's funny though, because you guys, when I started playing DC online, your group wasn't playing yet. Yes. So like, I think, uh, the first two online events I played, I took second where I got to make a change to the band list. And then I won the next one. Yep. And then I, and, and I was like top three on the leaderboard. And then I stopped playing and I came back and there's just a bunch of new people on the leaderboards. And I guess it's you and your guys's group. Yeah. So my I'm,
0: name, yeah, my I'm second. Uh, and Luke Feeney is first and both of them are in my group. Like luke yeah. o- og the guy who won over you he's also in my group
3: okay so yeah.
0: our, our group is actually fiend who's like the best player ever like he's not only really good at it but he's also extremely lucky and <laughs> his luck is fucking terrifying luke is terror he's okay so luke just to go over him real quick how broken this kid is he's topped Yu Gi Oh events he got on the magic the gathering pro tour and he is currently ranked as the number one player in dc deck building so like Luke, through three different card games, is just absurd. Like, he's just one of those really good. He's really good at card games in general. He reminds me of Silverman, who's also good at multiple card games. And he just has that, like, that luck factor on top of it, where he puts himself in a position where he can get lucky and then it happens. So he's just really good. And, uh, well-deserved from him, but, but yeah, you stopped playing, because they started making some changes that you probably didn't agree with, and we didn't either, but we had nothing else to do, because it was the pandemic, I know we were probably like planning a wedding and shit at the time, so (laughs) we were just like, yeah, because you you and your girlfriend at the time, or I guess fiance at the time, you guys both played in the tournaments, I think Mm -hmm. she was like Lady Gara, and uh, I was telling my group, I was like, I
2: like that name, yes,
0: I was telling my group, I was like, yo, I know them, they're Yu-Gi-Oh players, he's a YCS champion, he's dangerous, like, make sure, I was like, do not think that he doesn't know he he knows what he's doing but he's very good at card games and they were like okay and i was like so if you sit at a table with him you should like look to if you can cut his team or mess with his team in any kind of way or do anything to like put him at a disadvantage you probably should do that because he's good the same way you would do like when you sit down with me you're gonna do the same thing you're gonna be all eyes awesome because right. you know i know what i'm doing and i'm probably the best player at the table so but yeah that was a funny that was a funny time uh trolling you and then admitting it later on also like, i was i died yeah. i've never seen you get so angry. Well, I,
1: I'm normally super good about not tilting, especially in card games. Yes. And and like, uh, you know, because I, I play a lot of card games as well and have seen a uh, good chunk of success. But I, I I like pride myself on not getting tilted, but I don't know what it was. I think like it started off, I accidentally drew another card and yeah. your cards were left to right. So I put it back on top. And asked if I could just shuffle, and you are like, "No, put your whole hand back." But I would six—I literally had six cards in deck, and one of the cards in my hand, I, like I needed. So I shuffle my hand back and draw five, and of course, it's the only card left in my deck, and it just—I don't know why—but it made me so mad after that, and yeah. for the rest of the thing, I was just like, I, "This is lost cause. cause." I was already in like second or third, only at that point, and it only went downhill from
0: there. Yeah, I remember at the end of the game, you had like seven or six VP. I, I, yeah, it—it it was really bad. Like it was not close. At all but it was just that moment was so unnecessary that's why i did that like that's why i was trolling because i was like this is like he's Mm -hmm. already out the game like he's not actually in this game you got an attack by all the bosses and shit like everything that could go wrong went wrong already and i was just like absolutely being an asshole but that because i knew you it was so funny
1: i had an eight drop parallax the the one that uh you take it over turn yeah and draw extra cards uh i had that on top my deck and we got hit with the villain that like destroys two off top your deck and i and I had a ton of defenses. the only time I didn't have a defense. And it got destroyed. And I was like, this is just the snowball effect that yeah, I it could got never stop. So
0: stopped. out of hand. Yeah, that is what happened too. Doomsday came out and it was worst case scenario.
1: Yeah. So. It was
0: absolutely ridiculous. That was funny though. But guys, uh, check out DC Deck Building. It's actually a really fun card game. Me and Marcus used to both play it. I have since quit as well because now I play Edison Yu Gi Oh! again. Yep. So I'm like playing Yu Gi Oh! but just not current Yu Gi Oh! And I don't have time for both. And also, as much as I love DC and the online community for it, it I don't know, something about it just kind of wore thin with me. It got kind of boring. Um, the format changes and the rule changes and stuff. They just mm-hmm. it got stale. And I hate when card games get to that point. So we right. just we all just kind of bowed out at the same time. Like all of us just stopped waking up on Saturdays to play in the tournaments. Also, like the country started opening up a bit, so we started going outside more and those tournaments take up your entire Saturday, which is a big problem for me. So uh I hated that you're not really playing for anything technically except bragging rights, and then you're right. playing from like from where I'm at on the East Coast in Philadelphia. We will play from let's say 12 p.m. until 8 30 p.m. It's insane. Right. That's your whole whole Saturday. Saturday. Oh, yeah. So in the, during the pandemic, it wasn't that big of a deal because like well, I'm in the house all the time anyway. This Saturday is no different than any other day of the week, except that I'm not working really. So was, you know, but now like on Saturdays, I actually like to go somewhere and like go outside. Uh, right so i just don't feel incentivized to do it anymore
1: yeah and like you said it's just bragging rights i i had one of those online tournaments where i was 5 and then they were going to cut to top cut and i dropped because yeah. uh me and bella wanted to go get dinner or something yeah like. you're
0: like this is so, more important at this point like i don't care yeah about, like it's i'm not i can't win anything you already won a tournament you already qualify for the invitational like right yeah i understand that so let's backtrack a bit uh how did you even get into Yu Gi Oh? Like, what, how old were you when you got into Yu Gi Oh? Like, you know, what, was it the anime? Was it something else? Like, what happened?
1: Right. So, if I start from the absolute beginning, I remember, uh, moving into a new house and my cousin and my older brother playing with the Yu Gi Oh! and Kyber structure decks. Okay. And I had zero clue what was going on and no one followed the rules. Of uh, I love but,
0: that. But, I love that none of us follow the rules.
1: Yeah. And, uh, then but even then i didn't really play i was so young when Yu-Gi-Oh came out i was i was born in 98 so you can only imagine how old i was uh yeah so but then maybe in like 2009 2010 uh my older brother started to get back into it so me and my longtime best friend john and a couple of my brothers and cousins all sort of started playing still not really following exact rules Mm -hmm. like uh, you need two tributes to summon like a level eight or seven or eight, right? Like we wouldn't do that. It was still just one is how we understood it. Okay. Uh, and uh, I played a machine deck. I remember I thought that tackle footballer with 2200 defense as a level four monster was just so good. I don't know why. Cause I could stall until I saw like my good cards. Uh, so th- that was like, I guess the inception of me learning the game, but I didn't really super get into it until I moved. So in middle school, I moved to Tennessee and uh i just i'm not gonna lie i just didn't really have many friends yeah and uh, i remember going to the mall one day and seeing these guys playing and i was i was like oh i i should bring my deck i can kick these guys butts and i got my ass whooped at locals over and over and it it just i'm so competitive it made me so mad i started actually researching the game on youtube and like my machine deck slowly turned in like a gadget cyber dragon deck and then Mm. uh but at this point it's like the like Mid to end 2012, uh or 2011. So plants. I then yeah, so then yeah, so plants were big. uh But I had like this love for X Sabers for some reason. So the that deck was the deck broken. I built. Yeah, it was really solid during that time, and that that's like when I won my first local and stuff. uh And that was just a taste. And then in 2012, I was like undoubtedly like the best player at my local. I, I know that doesn't mean much, uh, but does. to me, it's
0: start. that's how it started. Right. With me.
1: Right. And well, that's what made me want to go on to the regional scene. And that's how I got my first regional top was at a, a Charlotte Regional in twenty twelve. And I was playing Simon Heath Chaos Agents mm. uh at that point. And then I stopped playing from like twenty twelve till end of twenty thirteen, beginning of 2014. Cause I moved back to Illinois. So I had all my friends back. I was into sports, but I found out uh my close friend John, uh had also gotten into the game somehow just by co- complete coincidence uh so that's really got me back into the game and then from 2014 onwards uh i, w- I was in and out of the game but more so in than ever out 2014 a- actually that's when i met you was nats 2014 uh because i came up to you about memory of an adversary because you were playing deep prison and I was a nobody, so I didn't expect you to take my advice. And then I saw your deck profile, and you actually played it. And I was, like, so proud of myself. I was like, I told them about that.
0: <laughs> you were smart. You were always smart. I could tell. Uh, you know, one thing I love that you said, there's a couple things I want to touch on in that story. So you said how you were very competitive, and you hated losing. And that that is the bug that gets us all. I think, <laughs> I think not only as men, but just as, like, competitive people, there's something about, like, I'm not afraid to admit I am a bit of a sore loser. Like, I don't like losing. I've gotten a lot better at it over, you know, my older age. But I don't fucking like losing. I hate it. And, like, the idea of losing makes you try harder, right? Like, you don't want to lose. You want to go to these events. You want to do well. You want to be undefeated if you can. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, I just, I don't want to lose to anyone. I don't want to take, I don't even want to lose last round if I'm undefeated. Like, I just want to win every round that I can. And I want to see every scenario. I don't want to misplay And a lot of times I prefer if if I lose, it's like, okay, I I lost because I was unlucky and there's nothing I can do. But I do harp on my losses a lot more than anything that I've won. Um, And that just made me into like a competitive monster. And that's when you start, you know, after locals are over and everyone else is done playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Me, McCabe, and Silverman will literally sit in the back for hours and just run simulations of games. And like, how good is this card? Well, let's put it in our opening hand every single game and let's see if it's good. And we just do that. Like, I'm going to have literally brain control in every opening hand, and then I'm just going to draw five other cards, or at the time, you know, whatever it was. Right. But we do that type of thing and just create these scenarios and stuff and see, like, how good is this card in a situation and just figure out... It's just, like, a lot of theory crafting, but also with real, like, dueling involved, because I think that there is a balance that you need to have in Yu-Gi-Oh! where you can't just talk about it. You do have to do some execution. Uh, it's important to know how to do it when it actually comes down to it. A lot of people can just, like, commentate... And then when it's time to actually play, like, they their technical skill falls off. But I think I'm one of those people who my technical skill is really high. And I think you have that, too. Like, I can tell, like, when you play, you're very focused. You know, you move your hat back and everything. When you do, <laughs> you get all into it. And Ash like, you ask catch him. Yeah, you definitely catch yeah. him. And I think both of us transform when we play Yu-Gi-Oh! It's interesting. You're such a a nice guy, like, a polite person, just, like, a very, like not serious person when I'm naturally talking to you and we're not playing Yu-Gi-Oh, but then when I watch you playing Yu-Gi-Oh, like if I walk past your table, if I'm done my round and I'm handing in my match lip, when I see you playing, the look on your face and like how serious you're paying attention to like your opponent and like your feel and everything, your hand is, is like when Yu-Gi transforms in Yami, it's like this complete night and day of a person. And I think that's kind of what Kenny was describing in the beginning of the podcast with me too, is like everyone knows like I can be a very bubbly person. I can be a very friendly person. But then when I play Yu-Gi-Oh, you see me at a mm-hmm. tournament i fucking go stone-faced and like it looks like i'm angry you know? oh yeah i was actually angry like it like my opponent did something to me
1: right no i completely get it. it's like uh it, as you're describing it it made me think of Netro from hunter hunter and like how he's always so like goofy and stuff yes. but then when he fights it's just like complete serious face and yep. like yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you got to turn up sometimes so yeah, that got, that's what, that's what did it for you. You said you got your first regional top. Was it with the fingernail deck? You said agents. <laughs> you
1: said Simon agents. I, I, yeah. I like how you call it the fingernail deck. Yeah. yeah I, I play chaos agents and, uh, look, going back to that format. Cause I play a lot of September, 2012 with, uh, People in my area th- that deck is not good i don't know how no,
0: trust me i know <laughs>
1: ever did so well
0: so for let me insert this and this has nothing to do with anything right now this is a complete side note we do have a patreon exclusive episode about cheating on our podcast and we talk mm. about a lot of different cheating scenarios and things that have happened in the Oh's history so guys if you're interested in that you can check that out on our patreon and i am their podcast but yes anyway back to the relevancy of this topic uh that deck was not good yeah the agent deck the chaos agent deck and it's weird because he was able to go undefeated with that deck multiple times. Like he would go eleven and zero, multiple events, and I thought that was just interesting to say the least. Because um, the deck was just not good. And I think at the time, like full power windups was legal, gear gear was around, like a lot of other you know playable.
1: Decks. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely just not on that power level like i could imagine topping with it but the success simon saw with it was out of this
0: world yeah it was it was it was it was unnatural to say the least so (laughs) but yeah you got your first top with that and describe how that felt getting your first regional top because i know what it felt like for me and i'll go i'll go over mine after you go over yours
1: oh yeah so the first regional top i was just so ecstatic i remember just thinking to myself like it doesn't get better than this and that surreal feeling and I thought I would never feel it again, uh, but honestly, every time I hit that new milestone, it felt like that. So
0: yes, uh, my first ever time topping was with Troop Dupe. Like when Troop Dupe Scoop was. This is way O seven. Troop Dupe Scoop, but I, it was a seven round regional because they were much smaller back in 07. And I'll never forget. I was I was like five zero, and then I finally lost to someone, and then I won out. Uh, I guess the next round or whatever, and it just felt so amazing to get that first feeling of success. Like I had already been doing well at locals or whatever. People kind of knew me from locals like, okay, this kid's kind of good or whatever, but you know, nothing special in the grand circuit of things. And then I got that regional top and that just, it's so weird how it happens. I got the first regional top and then I started topping every regional I went to. Oh yeah. Same. (laughs) And then, and then like I get my first YCS top and then I start topping every YCS I go to. And it's just like, I, I always say it's, it has to be partly mental in some way, like a mental block that you can't quite see, because at first you're going to these events, and you're scrubbing out, and you're like, what am I doing wrong? Like, Am I choosing the wrong deck? Am I playing poorly? Like, what is happening to me? I hate blaming it on luck, so I always try to figure out, like, what factors are contributing to me scrubbing out, and for me, I realized a lot of times it's just, I'm playing a bad deck. Like, there have been, I, I had a Shondheim Championship in 08, I played a like, zombie deck that was, like, half sworn half zombie. I could have played full Liceworn, which would have been better, or I could have played Teledad, which would, which would have been the best deck. But right. I played some zombie brew with sworn And as you can see, eight years later in 2016, I haven't fully given up on making these ridiculous decks that, like, why <laughs> you play, like, you could play a real deck and you'll be fine, but you're playing this fucking homebrew. But I've gotten better as a player by 2016 to where I can top with something as ridiculous as metal full magic specters
2: <laughs> also you might know, uh, you're probably better at homebrewing
0: yes like, i am better you're, at you're now.
2: the creation the the frankenstein deck that you make is going to be better than the frankenstein deck you made when you were
0: in yugioh information in yugioh has grown so much since i, I call it like the hoban era like the, the from 2013 after he won nationals and every year after that, to where we went into this whole idea of combo decks, where you just kind of go off turn one and don't let your opponent right. play, because he he pretty much started that era of Yu Gi Oh, and it hasn't changed since then. Like that has been Yu Gi Oh since since he started the whole thing. Like put out all your monsters turn one, set up an unbreakable board, and then make your opponent not be able to play the game. Like since that has started, it hasn't stopped. So with that hindsight bias, and like not only like for I applied at the Edison format too, is like try to be as unfair as possible. You know, I'm not a genius or anything like that. Like, everyone knows oppression is broken. Why did nobody play it in 2010? Like, now, you know, you play Edison Format and You're going to get oppressioned. Like, people realize right. these cards are extremely powerful. But, uh, yeah, like, my skill level has gone up. Just because of the information, though, it's, it's more so just I know more. Like, I just know how to make the game unfair. And I applied that also to DC deck building. And that's, like, that's how some of the teams that, like, my group created. Like, one of these, this is a ridiculous Deadshot team. I don't know if you were around for it, but... It was a four-hero team, and it played Starfire Tier 1. She's like, if you control four different colors, uh, you can destroy your card in your hand. And then it played another Tier 1, like Jay Garrick, and then it would play Chameleon Boy and also Deadshot. And the team was just so OP, and it really it really didn't allow the other three players to even do it. Like You really couldn't interact with it. You couldn't do anything. They could infinitely block forever, because Deadshot's effect is just insane. You play on their turn and your turn. And that was me just taking Yu Gi Oh knowledge and applying it to something else. Like I don't want to be interactive. I want to play the game by myself, essentially in solitary. You.
1: Yeah, that's what you guys were playing, I think, uh, in that event that I played with you guys. And I, that was not a team that was on my radar. So. No,
0: that's was I, ridiculous, I, and I made that team. Oh uh, yeah,
1: I <laughs> most of my success was when teamwork still existed.
0: <laughs> yes. yo, Golden Glider. I heard that there was a game where you went turn one. And you bought a seven drop with Golden Glider.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I had five power and yep. then you team teamwork through punched, six power. Yep. I yeah. seven and turn one. I steamrolled that game. I had like 30 some odd VP, yeah, I and I think the next close. closest was like 11 or something. Yeah.
0: I heard it was not close at all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I
0: was like, geez, Marcus is no joke. I said, see, I told you all, be careful about that guy. I said, he's really good and <laughs> he could be lucky too.
1: But yeah. Well, like, no, I, I was surprised that format that. There, people would ever play things that either weren't Golden Glider or weren't uh, Dark Side Deathstroke because those were like the only two re- relevant teams, in my opinion.
0: Same, and so we came into the community and they literally told us that Dark Side Deathstroke was bad. Now, we knew already because we so I used to play, I used to host house games for DC at my house every Friday night before the pandemic, and right. we get like six people will come over my house every single Friday and they'd stay until 4 a.m. Sometimes they spend a night, but we play DC. And just like sometimes we drink and we watch and we listen to anime music, like just complete weeb out and have a great time literally playing DC hours. But we knew Dark side Deathstroke was pretty much the best team, if not Golden Glider. So we banned those from our queue because we were like, this is just unfair advantage. But we knew how we never forgot how to play. So when we came to the discord and we saw that those teams were legal. I was like, well, this is just not fair. Like, we just picked this every and because they thought it was bad, they wouldn't even pick it. Like, they just would not pick Dark Side Deathstroke.
1: I know oh. it's crazy.
0: So, we just played it every single round. And then they're like, oh, how come these people keep on winning and topping every single tournament? is like, you guys are passing the best teams. Like, Golden Glider, yeah, it's only one hero, but she is by far the best hero in the game. Like, it's not even close. oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was a, that was an interesting time, but uh, okay. So, then that's your first regional top, and then you go on to eventually win a YCS and I, I'm wondering what leads up to that moment. Cause you're playing Metalfo, which was the best deck, if I'm not mistaken. Like I know blue eyes was out, but I don't think blue eyes was nearly as good as metal foe.
1: Yeah. So I will preface this. If I went back to that format, I would probably also be playing a Metapho, uh variant mixed with magic specters like you yes. had. I, I just don't have the deck building. Cause I, I've, I pride myself on being a great technical player, and same. if I spend the time, I think I'm like top five NA to be honest. But yes. I feel uh, the when
0: same it, way, Marcus.
1: Yeah, but when it comes to deck building, that's always been my shortcoming, mm-hmm. and I, you know I've had to rely on teammates and stuff oftentimes to help me same, or same, friends. Same.
0: Sean McCain uh, and even Silverman—they're so, better deck builders than me, so I rely—I let them do. the, They'll come up with the skeleton, and then I'll tweak based on just like this isn't correct for whatever reason, and I'm I'm good at that part. I'm good at editing. Like I can edit. Just yeah same i the can't perfecting. start it yes i can edit it but i cannot start it. even the grapekeeper deck like mccabe created the skeleton like he created the initial deck and then i was involved in just like editing it and making it like okay we don't need three knuckle valleys like two is enough you know stuff like that like, right um but yeah i i'm not the best at creating a deck from scratch except when i make these crazy homebrews that somehow i'm able to still like top with or whatever and uh yeah like i made a dragoonity deck in 2011 i topped with that and that like konami featured me and everything it's one of my most embarrassing pictures on google it was like me holding up the dragoonity structure deck i think because they wanted to use me for like product placement <laughs> i feel like and it's such a bad picture like my teeth were awful i'm smiling I look like a child but i'm actually probably like 21 and uh but i ended up topping with dragoonity and that was a deck that i just completely like granted yes it's structured decks but then like you have to decide how you want to play it and every i feel like most people had it wrong i think i was playing like seven tools and a bandit in the main deck and my build was just super ignorant, like, it was just super ignorant, and most of my rounds, I just steamrolled my opponents, level 8 synchro, level 8 synchro, level 8 synchro over and over again.
1: Um, oh, yeah, I, I created your deck in person, actually, I built March 2011 format, and, oh, uh, yeah, your, your Dragon D list is is one of the decks we have built.
0: <laughs> yeah, because if you play against Gravekeepers, it's a pretty easy matchup if you just can withhold playing your Dragon Ravine, right, like... If you can right. play it over top of Necro Valley, that deck just starts to lose immediately. Like that deck is terrible without Necro Valley on the field. So once I realized that I was like, oh, field spell decks are kind of nice. Like they just beat the the, the gravekeeper deck immediately.
1: Right. Uh, and, and gravekeepers are what kind of made sabres hard to play sometimes, even though it's still super relevant. But yes.
0: Yeah, it did. Cause I I did play uh, X Sabres in top four, played against Brandon Wigley. In game one, I think he got Royal Tributed for his whole hand. But then even, <laughs> even the next game where I think he like Try to play somewhat uh, between three Book of Moons, solemn Morning. It's just impossible to resolve a High Unle.
1: Yeah,
0: like you just can't resolve her. And that was the that's the way that deck used to win. It would be like trap stun you or seven tools or whatever, and then like High Unle all your back row. And I knew that because McCabe he played Xer. He topped a lot with that deck. He got a lot of prize cards with that deck. Like X-Sabers was his shit. And I was always the plant guy. But Gravekeepers put both of those decks in a coffin. Like when we tested for Atlanta, we played against predominantly uh, Plants and X-Sabers, and neither one of those decks could win, like, almost a game. Like, it was almost impossible. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like, why is this deck so good? Like, why is Necro Valley such an insane card? I think even now, like, Necro Valley would theoretically shut off most of the decks.
1: Like, it's just... Oh yeah. There's a good period even now, and I mean, not now, but maybe like a year ago, I think, yeah. where people were side ducking it just because it had such meta-relevance when you went first against yeah, a lot it, of decks.
0: it cuts off so much, and that card's been eroded like more times than any other card in Yu-Gi-Oh!'s history. Just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But yeah, ho- homebrewing, making decks, not not my thing, but you you said you're a tactician, you're more of a, the technical skill player, like top five NA, and I, I agree, I've seen you play, you're very, very good at, at actually dueling and everything. Uh, so, so this is before you won and I guess you were playtesting with your group like Faisal and stuff I assume
1: yep yep Faisal Imran uh it, it, it was called ice cream chat at first <laughs> and it was Faisal oh, okay. Imran uh our buddy Alex uh and a few others uh were in our test group and we were all on the metapho deck um and like two weeks prior, we played at an indie regional, and my only loss was to Jeff, and he was playing Blue Eyes. And I remember I, I made this uh, play where I had to preemptively twin, uh, and I asked him, you know, do do you think like I should have played it differently? He's like, no, like just because you got punished by the play you made doesn't mean it was incorrect. I think the play you made was correct, and uh, that that was like one of the first times I also realized, you know, just because I lost doesn't mean uh i did something wrong or he, right. just because of a decision i made that it, it's all calculated risk and honestly that's what Yu-Gi-Oh in a nutshell is yep. and when it comes to the technical play is uh your ability to calculate risk obviously there's other factors like uh being able to read people and whatnot yeah uh, the human element at, of it right yeah but you you kind of have to just like poker you put them on a range of hands and a range of cards that uh could you know worst case scenario versus best case scenario and then you have to do the math on like what are, what is the likelihood they have said cards based on how they've played it because you have them in said range uh and and that's really how you can calculate risk and you again i think once you master that that's what gets a lot of people in the next level because that around that times where i really started to comprehend that uh more so than just playing my deck to the best of its ability or whatever that means yeah
0: <laughs> No, I agree with that. Calculate a risk. And I guess that makes sense for me because that's kind of like my whole life is mathematical in a way, like everything. I, right. You know, I'm literally an accountant. And I think a lot of what I do is just always thinking of what are the odds? What are the odds? I'm always asking myself right. that question as I'm dueling, too. And I, even before I realized this about myself, I would always be wondering, what are the odds he has the to one torrential? Like, you know, what's the odds he has the one mirror force? It's only one. And if he doesn't have it, I win the game. And is, right. that, is that worth risking? What happens if he does have it? How bad of a position am I in if he does have it? Do I just outright lose if he has it? Can I put anything in defense mode? Can I not summon and just poke? Will it put him within lethal next turn? Like these are all the questions I rapidly ask myself as I'm playing. And it's important that everyone does that, like you said, calculated risk. To become a better player, you do need to do that. You shouldn't just be throwing your shit out there willy-nilly without thinking about, you know, what could go wrong and what can go right and is the risk reward worth it? Uh, because sometimes you are going to get bad beat and you might have made the right play, and they will have had. You know, the worst case scenario, they had the Torrential when they needed it right there. They had the Mirror Force when they needed it. These are really basic examples. I know these cards aren't played anymore, but right. but I think everyone can probably, everyone listening to this podcast can probably understand Mirror Force and Torrential are probably two of the easiest cards to teach you how to be risk-aversive and, um, you know, not to get blown out. I mean, they, they were like the training wheels, and now Yu-Gi-Oh! is like in a completely different state where you have to play around hand traps, but...
1: Right. And and the people who are more aggressive with the calculated risk, like if I am in complete control of the game, right. And if the game goes on, you know, I can put myself between a range, like 65, 80% chance I could win. Mm -hmm. However, there's a play I can make an aggressive play uh, that I can, you know, 70% of the time I'm going to win. I think sometimes that's also what separates people who win events and don't win events because oftentimes the person who's always going to take the longer safer route yeah. uh will top a lot of events but because you know you have to make that call so many times in a top cut of an event uh they they don't know when to pull the trigger and they'll always go that long route and sometimes you know the odds solely shift the other way because yeah. of it
0: Yeah, uh, no, so, and we talked about that too in a dale bolito episode part two uh we brought yep. up what the players like, and this is not, again, not too down like Joji Orlando or Alistair Albans or Matt Petal. Uh, all of these people who have, you know, a lot of tops, but they haven't won. It's not necessarily that they're um, bad players or anything like that. Like, clearly they're good. They can get to the mountaintop. They just can't get to the, the peak. Like, they can't get to the actual peak of it. And what is it that's separating them? And uh, a lot of times, and I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of times it's because they just play so... Risk off, like they don't want to risk anything, they're not willing to give anything up in any scenario, and that can get you far because the average Yu Gi Oh player just throws their cards on the table a lot of the time, especially back then. The players have gotten a lot, oh, a lot yeah. over time, so the player base now is, is probably a lot better than it was back then. And actually, I I believe that for every period, like now is always going to be the best average player, like you know, 2022 average right. player is better than 2021's average player, anyway. But they uh they play very conservative and very just like I don't want to give up anything when and you just give a little. Or sometimes if you give a lot, but just go for it, like that's what's necessary in that scenario. Like you had to go for it. You had to have the balls to be like, you know what? That could be mirror force and it will be game and I'm out the tournament. But if it's not, I actually win the game outright. And I don't want to give him an opportunity to draw his one, his one out or his two outs. Like I don't even want the game to go long enough for him to have a chance to draw brain control or a chance to draw heavy storm or whatever it is.
1: Right. And and a lot of times those scenarios come up where like your opponent may have a strong lead of like. Uh, they'll have like six cards to my four cards mm. uh, in older Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's like a huge lead, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, but so being able to be like, all right, you know, there's the chance based on how they've been playing and they just set a card, that can be mirror force, But this is my opportunity to just steal the game right now yeah. rather than, than wait and allow him to continue netting advantage on me over time. Yeah, because uh, they all look at like you that. from a
0: higher position, I noticed. Like, that's the thing that you kind of pick up on. If someone's in the, the driver's seat, they have that six to four they right. can be so conservative with their cards because they can afford to just trade you one for one now. Cause they'll just end up with two cards and you'll have nothing.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So, and they would like, if the game goes that way, they're fine with that. Like a lot of times they're like, I'm good with the game going one for one. If I'm up two on you, uh, but right. evaluating those type of risks and no one to just, you know, say, fuck it. I have to go for it here is, is important. And sometimes you get there. Sometimes you don't. There's been many times when I've maxi challenged and I won, and I literally wouldn't have topped the event if it wasn't for me just saying I have to kill you this turn and I can't worry about how many cards you drew. And there's been times yeah. when I stopped and it was correct to stop because I only gave you one draw. Or I gave you an extra draw, but I made a Lagia or a Dolka. And it's like that one extra draw you got is not going to be enough to out this Dolka in defense mode.
2: Yeah, you got to know when to go for the kill. Like, I also think something you have to change the way you play sometimes depending on which game it is. Like if yeah. you won game one and it's game two you have the room, like, if you can go for a game, you kind of have the room to, like, if you could kill them, all right, cool, I don't have to look at game three, you know yeah. what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, you can be a little can, more aggressive if you're up a game, for sure.
2: You yeah. can stop things from happening, and that's that's true for, like, fighting games and, like, melee. Like, if you're up two stocks, like, I can just go for a really risky play and kill you, because it's yeah. like I'm ending the game.
0: Yeah, no, I think that we just saw that, too, in the one of the Smash tournaments, uh, it was. I don't think it was Summit. It was probably after Summit. No, I think it was Summit. Uh, MK Leo played against Proto Baham, who's from Japan, and Proto Baham started off going um Min Min. and he won game one against MK Leo, and he switches to Lucina after he won, which is like kind of unheard of in Smash Ultimate. I mean, people typically win and just stay the character they won with. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but he's but he switched. To a different character who's really Lucina's his main. Like everyone knows this guy is the best Lucina in the world. He's by far mm-hmm. the best Lucina in the world. So he switches to his main after he already won a game, kind of commandingly, too, over the best player in the world. And everyone's like, "What the fuck is he doing?" But he won. He was throwing him off. But two, he was also I'm up a game. So if we go back and forth, I win. Like I'll be the, I'll be the first to three because I'm already up a game. I can afford to take the risk to try out Lucina yeah. and see what happens. At, like see where Lucina gets me. Maybe Lucina might be a bigger blowout. And if she loses, okay. All right. We're now we're tied at worst, but now I have the, I'm still in the advantage day. Cause I get to pick the stage and you know, you know how it goes. Like, right. I'm the first and to win, And if we keep going back and forth, I'll just be the first to three.
1: Right. Games. And and MK Leo is insane at picking up on tendencies. Yes. So by doing that, also, if he started to get the feel for Min Min at the end of that first game, yeah. you know, he might have thought it would be a way to, like you said, kind of throw him off. Yeah, because so. they asked his
0: translator, why did he switch after winning? And that's what the translator, he said, I just like to, uh, when a player is really good, I think it messes with them when I switch characters like that. Like, I go back right. and forth, and he's good with both of them, and they're so different. The way you fight yeah. against Lucina and the way you fight against Min-Men are completely different strategies. You have to completely... T- go ahead.
2: Specifically his Lucina, he's the only Lucina player I like watching. Same. Most Lucina players are so lame, but he plays Lucina like she's fucking Roy. Like, he is in. His Lucina uh, never stops
0: swinging. It's scary.
1: He, he doesn't spam just spacing the whole time, like most Lucina's? No, no,
0: he He's goes the very, fuck in. He very he swings that sword a lot. He swings that sword <laughs> so much that a lot of times I start to question her frame data. Because it's not like Lucina has bad frame data per se, but I just don't expect her to be as fast as he makes her. And I'm like, god damn, if you cancel her aerials, they look so much... Like, she looks way faster when you just cancel all her aerials. Like, you just keep landing with them and just canceling into an up tilt. Like, he will do a fair and then fast fall at land and then do up tilt. And it comes out so fast. The person will like, like let their shield go and then they'll just get smacked, <laughs> or they'll jump and get up, you know, up, up tilt it right. until it's like such a big swinging move. Like she swings her whole damn arm and the sword goes above her and behind her. So if you jump oh. in any aggressive way, you get caught by it. But it's, 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 it's just very interesting to watch the top it, level of any game. I think.
2: And then men, men, is just not even remotely similar
0: yeah menmin is trying to literally keep you out. Lucina wants to be close to you, but like keep that really small space where a sword just disjoints you the whole game and menmin is like, I don't want to interact with you actually menmin prefers to just zero interaction I want to be lame like I want to play keep away
1: yeah i, I like the characters that can do fo- both I think that's why I like uh smash four Diddy was so insane is he oh, could I play like yeah, he could play like the far distance game that where he like so pokes and, and just uses forward air and banana all game. And then he also has the ridiculous combo strands he could do and get in your face. So. And the
0: grab, hoo-ha, that fucking yeah, uh, <laughs> down for up air. That shit was so crack. Yeah. Oh my god, that character was and, ridiculous.
1: And he was so hard to juggle because he could just wave bounce all over the place.
0: <laughs> he looked glitchy as hell. Yeah. In a game with almost no glitches, he looked pretty glitchy. Like, you see him do the pop gun cancel, and he, like, wiggle in the air. He do the flip kick, and then he wiggle.
1: Yeah, and then he pop gun again, and then he go wiggle again by switching with Banana, uh, yeah. the same way, opposite direction. Yeah.
0: He still can do all of that stuff, too. Like, he can still do a lot of the, uh, the, like, Tweak plays him now as his main. And Tweak is, one of oh, my favorite. Cool. Tweak is one of my favorite players now because he plays Diddy, and because I've just grown to like him over time. Because he's kind of the underdog in the story it's weird yeah. like he's the second best player in the world theoretically and because he's the second best like i really have a soft spot for him because he's just like <laughs> he's fighting to be number one and leo is just this obstacle that's so hard to overcome he's so good man he's so there's there's no one in Yu Gi Oh quite like like the top of smash like when they have a best player it's so solidified that it's like, it
2: really is for yeah, every I, smash game too like when when somebody goes, I'm the best. It's like fuck, and he stays yes. the undisputed best for at least a year. We've only had that many th- times
0: more with Patrick. I feel like, like Patrick Hoban is the only guy that has been like Yu Gi Oh's in a chokehold under his grasp, right? Like, yeah, he lasted for years as undisputed the best player in the game. No, like no question, topping everything, making every meta deck, like writing a fucking book, just doing everything right. And then, you know, eventually everyone's reign has to come to an end.
1: Yeah, I feel like part of the issue with Yu-Gi-Oh! where, like, uh, talent and deck building can't get you as far as it used to is because of the uh, accessibility to Omni Negates that exist now. Like, and I also think maybe the... Obviously, the average player is better just because of the amount of technology out there, but you can lose to way worse players than yourself. Yes, you can. If if they go first and, like, set up for negates like whereas you know even five years ago or not five years ago i guess pepe could kind of do that but like uh you know six seven years ago that wasn't possible 2014 yeah. uh 2013 like they could set up big boards but you still have the opportunity
0: to play yeah you still uh, got turns back then you always got yeah. turns. i don't care if you played sylvans i know back then like Hobin and his his group was on that uh they were playing like a sylvan deck that was heavy combo like turn one set up a hermetry and all that stuff but you still gotta yeah. play like if i played hat against that deck I could just literally set Firehand, and I'm going to live more than one Yeah,
2: day. right, so, typically. It is fucked up. Like, even with the fact that you draw one less card, like, I'm not great at Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't have any YCS wins or even YCS tops. But, like, if I mess around on Master Duel, which I, you know, I've been doing, if I go first and set a board up, I just win.
0: Yeah, like, I, you played Dragon not I didn't, I know, didn't do
2: anything. Yeah, <laughs> I just set a board up and win, and, like, that, you know, like, the... They don't do anything. And you draw one less card. It's it's interesting because right now in Yu-Gi-Oh!, like in current Yu-Gi-Oh!, I feel like you just have to want to go first, period. Whereas I think in older formats, obviously you always wanted to go first, but going second didn't mean you lost the game.
0: Yeah, and there were I formats feel like where going second was better.
2: Yeah. yeah. Whereas now, even with drawing one less card, you still just want to go first because you want to put three or four negates on the board yeah. and then tell them to hold that.
0: Yeah, there were formats when they got rid of the draw six turn one, uh, that made going second actually incentivized, which is one of the only problems with the Edison format, I feel like, because going first in Edison format is crack. It's just insane. There's no reason yeah. to, to go second. Like uh, I I tried to I didn't I didn't I didn't think long about it, but I did try to think if there was any reason to go second in Edison format, and there just isn't. Like if, yeah. even, even if you're playing a deck that OTKs, you might as well just take the seventh card.
1: Right. Like even no, if you go first sure.
0: and pass, even if that's your turn, because no one is killing you. You can't die turn one in Edison format. So, like realistically. So, because yeah. of that, you can literally go, all right. Well, I'll just go first pass and then I'll just draw a seventh card and kill you like with more with more resources.
2: Um also in so, Edison go, go first pass is a good play because is, you might Gores, have Gores in yeah, your hand.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> Gores is actually good in that format. So it's like, yeah, there's there's reasons why uh you know going second is just atrociously bad in that format, and there's no incentive to go to go second, whereas when when Konami did the master rule that got rid of drawing six, there was a necros format where we wanted to go second. Uh Ryan Levine won a YCS because he's playing go second spiral, I believe, where he just yep.
1: played like yep. they made it evenly and stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah. He just played a complete like I want you to cut try to combo off, and I'm going to just go after you and gamma you and ash you and all of that stuff. Right um, and to be and that that has won tournaments. I had that has been a winning strategy to play go second this deck. And uh right. Yu Gi Oh just Sp-
3: yeah.
1: I was just gonna say Spiral had some pretty uh, uh important choke points too, so that's why that s- strategy was really successful at that time.
0: Yeah, and Necrol is the most powerful card. Trishula didn't do anything on turn one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it, it, it has to make sense still. Like it's not just it's not free. Like it has to always make sense. But when it does line up perfectly, it's really nice. Like oh, uh, going second is good, and everyone wants to go first. Usually, the cool thing is. The first person to realize that going second is correct can like either do really well at a tournament or just outright win a tournament because everyone else still thinks that going first is correct. Yeah, right. right. And then, like they don't realize that actually, if you just let your opponent set up a board, you just play a bunch of lightning storms, evenly matched, uh, forbidden droplets, all these go second cards. You'll probably just beat them. And I actually saw some of that in 2021 when my friend was playing a Drytron deck that was like go second Drytron. Normally the deck it goes first and it just combos off, and the combo is so outrageous it only takes two cards to do the full combo. Uh-huh. and the board it sets up is just unreal so the scary thing about it was when your opponents will like let you go first um, let's say that they were on to like oh your deck is about to go second you could still just win the game going first because your deck is still ridiculous going first it's not like it lost it's power Yeah, right. like if it opens Alpha Zeta it still does full combo Beatrice, Ava, a bunch of negates like Harold is out there so he's an infinite number of negates, uh, Herald of Orange, Hand, multiple copies like you still lose
1: Right, no, for sure. That's what I play on, Master Duel, is Tritron.
0: I heard it's the best. But yeah, Kenny, what were you going to say?
2: <laughs> I was going to say the Dinosaur deck's kind of like that, too. If it goes second, it OTKs you. If it goes first, it just makes, like, Dolka, Lagia, Appaloosa, and fucking Savage Barrel Load. And you're yeah. like, all right, well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> That board is crazy you just said, by the way. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: it, I just think uh, what really ruin the current game for me and, and it's funny because i'm starting to play again also uh yeah. just recently everyone is, uh, but, i see yeah but what ruined it for me for a while was uh and even still i guess it's just the accessibility to omni negates i yeah i, I just think hard negates aren't healthy any if they do exist they shouldn't destroy like they should just negate and your card's still on the field yeah
0: like white darkness dragon <laughs> Appaloosa.
1: right yes exactly
0: yeah a lot of the cards say negate and destroy or negate and banish it. it's like god damn
2: Negate yeah. and
1: banish.
0: Wild. Negate and banish is wild. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's crazy.
1: Yeah, you're not only losing the effect, but you're also just losing the net card advantage. Like you can't climb into anything.
0: Yeah, it's pretty bad. And the, the, the game is the sad thing is every good player knows the game is fixable. Um, oh yeah, for sure. They're just not incentivized to do so. So Mm-mm. I have a question for so, you. Though. Here's a random. Oh, go ahead, Kenny. It sounds like you have something to say.
2: I was going to say talking about current Yu-Gi-Oh. You said you were getting a master duel, and you also said. You have a bunch of decks made from the 12011 or 2012 format. Have you been, you know, everybody's been talking about Edison a lot. Have you been to, uh, playing Edison?
1: Oh yeah. I, uh, so for a while I was trying to make X sabers work. Cause like I said, I just have a fascination for that deck. And uh, I think it's a competitive deck, but in no way is it like a top three or even top five deck, to be honest.
0: I agree with you on uh, that. I think it is competitive because rescue cat is just actually so broken
1: yeah and you have like giant rat that floats into emmer's blade and emmer's blade tutors the rest of the deck so you have a lot more access to your deck it's just yeah. you don't have enough power to like do a whole lot with it a lot of times and the way the format is like the deck struggles to beat like Ryko. it struggles to beat spy and those are like really prominent cards yeah. too
0: if those cards cause your deck problems then it's probably
1: yeah so favorite. i play i play neuralis
0: <laughs> oh well I think that's top three decks in a format, no question. It's not even trying to play real Yu-Gi-Oh! It's trying to play current Yu-Gi-Oh! If anything.
1: Yeah, well, so it doesn't set up negates, but the way it just clears the board and, like, you know, goes through the deck so fast...
0: It's kind of the same thing, though, because your opponent doesn't have any cards. It's like... Yeah. Like, you basically negated all of their cards.
1: <laughs> so so what I did with Edison is I took all the power cards that I wanted in my deck. So, like, Red and D, uh, I took... Um, rekindling uh just you know everything that's just insane in edison yeah i, and I made a list and i was like all right future fusion uh diva all that stuff i was like so what decks play the most of these cards yes. like where can i maximize on these yes. and it was one of the three decks that i ended up considering and that's the one i've been testing the most right now uh
0: testing the one at is so weird though
1: oh yeah most of the time if i start playing it people just quit on db to be yeah. honest
0: it's because I have. So I've been playing it a lot, too. And it's one of the decks that I started the whole format with. Like, when I first got back into it, I played Diva Hero because I was forced to. Yeah. Because uh, McCabe just gave me the deck at Locals so on my first week. And then after that, I immediately was like, okay, what's actually good, though? And Neralis, as soon as I played that deck, I was like, oh, this is not okay. Like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah. And there's a few things I think you can do to make it better, too. Like, I, I noticed the build online wasn't playing, like, Dark World Dealings. That's yeah. another card I'd play in there. Yeah, I uh, was
0: play Summoner Monk, and I saw a build that plays that. Yep.
1: Yep. There's just a couple of cute things that I think can still be fixed for the deck. And you know, I I did notice, I got Shadow Imprisoning Mirrored uh, the other day playing that deck. I I didn't even know that was out, and then I figured out it was. And I was like, oh man, if people, like if this deck got popular, and people started citing that, that would be a big
0: problem. Yeah, there's a couple things like that. So, Consecrated Light, which I completely forgot about. That Mm -hmm. card's also super ignorant. You do have an out, because red Eyes Wyvern is just straight up wind. But yeah. you have to draw it, and technically, you don't want to draw that card anyway. Um, but that card's scary, uh, like you said. Shadow and Prisoning Mirror is scary because it requires specific back row destruction to get rid of it. And right, right. now, I don't think many people are siding Shadow and Prisoning Mirror, Mirror, but we'll see how this tournament this weekend goes because you know the meta is going to constantly shift. Whenever you have a meta with fifteen decks in it, and I know Vayu Turbo won the last tournament, but then like mm-hmm. you know, people might see that and be like, "Oh, dark decks are winning" because the top three decks, Diva Hero the Nor- Norlaris deck, and the Vaylin Turbo deck, they're all dark decks, technically. Yep. So, yep. there could be an influx of Shadow Mirrors this, this tournament, and that—that that is problematic. That card does put those decks in a coffin. Like, it makes them so bad.
1: Oh, for sure. No, I, I agree completely. I uh, I might not even be playing in the online event, actually, because there's a big uh, GOAT tournament out here in Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, and, like, people are literally coming from all over, like, Texas. I know Carl Waite from New York's coming. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a really big goat event, uh, and the prize is just insane. So I, I really want to play in the Edison tournament, though. So I'm not a the Edison tournament has
2: a crazy prize too. I think they said there's a thousand dollar pop bonus, which is fucking nuts. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was trying to figure out exactly the prize, but I guess the rest of it's based on uh, Keegan's Patreon, I think. Uh, so I I don't know yet. I also think it would be cool. Like if I played online, I can just like hop in a Discord with you guys. You know, in between rounds and stuff, yeah. and talk about it. And yeah, I guess are playing yeah.
0: it for sure. There's is interesting though, because there's the regional close to Philly. It's not in Philly. It's in like Oaks, PA, but that's like an hour away from my house. Right. Um, but there's a regional in Philly on Saturday, and I really want to go to that because I haven't also the
2: PM Summit this weekend. Oh my god, that's like, and I'm pretty sure the PM Summit is this weekend too.
0: This weekend is insane for gaming. You have a Goat tournament. There's an Edison tournament. There's a Philly regional, and there's the uh uh p.m for smash a summit for that as well which our friend and his cousin kenny's cousin is actually he qualified for the summit which is insane oh
1: that is cool yes yeah that is sick i i wish i were i so there was a brief period of like six months in during smash 4 where i wanted to like take it seriously and like start going to tournaments and yeah, i would like practice like eight nine hours a day and mind you i'm still in college and stuff so i'll stay up to like 3 a.m playing yeah. with my the friends and whatnot. I, I played diddy and i remember at that point in time i was like so much better than all my friends and chicagoland has a local that like consistently gets like 120 people damn. uh yeah and i remember i went there and it was like a big reality check because i went it, it's double elimination i went two and two and i was like holy crap these guys are yep. so
0: good we're talking about Smash?
1: <laughs> yeah i'm like i am so far behind even with wow. all the training
2: that i did yeah, and damn. uh the Smash tournaments are fucked up, man. I played Melee competitively for a while. Like, I went to tournaments every weekend. And mm-hmm. Smash 4 for a little while, too, when Smash 4 came out. I remember funny thing about Tweek. Before he was Tweak, there was a tournament in Philly that Tweek went to. And he played Bowser Jr. at the time. And this was, like, one of his first tournaments he did really, really good at. And there was, like, I think 100 or so people at this tournament. Um, it was run by one of our friends. And, uh... Tweek ended up winning that tournament with Bowser Jr. I remember that there was like everybody standing in the crowd, watching it on like the big this big ass uh like projector uh projector screen mm-hmm. and just like yelling, like people were popping the fuck off. Because Bowser Jr. now everybody looks at the characters as being lame. He's like a corny character, but nobody used him early Smash 4 because no I one. mean he sucks. But right. Tweek was using Bowser Jr. and was just like popping off with him and and one with him, and I don't know, it was crazy. People were going nuts. That is hype though. Yeah, just when yeah. people do well with bad characters.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love whenever somebody shits on a character and then that character does well. Um mm-hmm. I I have a, a soft spot in my heart for the underdog. Like I said, I root for Tweak because even though he's the second in the entire world, I just I know what it's like to be in the shadow of someone else and to like want to be the best. And you're so close, but there's this obstacle. Like I know that feeling. So yeah, I, I empathize with that and I I tried to play Smash competitively. I think probably the most I've ever tried might have been Smash 4, like Kenny said. Like trying to play in a couple tournaments and stuff like that. And then quickly realizing, like, holy shit, this is going to require a lot more effort.
1: Yeah. Like, like, I thought I didn't have time to play Yu Gi Oh! But you would have to know life worse than that to, yeah. to be really competitive like, in Smash.
0: Like, during RAR, back air, like just doing back errors for me is difficult. Like, that is not easy to me to like. So when I watched the people, like, the top players in the world play. They make it look so easy. It's almost like their character just turned around immediately, and they just back air people. And I'm like, how the fuck are your fingers doing that it's so quick?
2: It's just repetition. Quick?
0: Right. It's, funny it's cause so like, quick.
2: Yeah, it's just repetition, because I'm, like, all of that, like, basic tactical stuff, like, I can, you know, do yeah. without, kind of, without even thinking. The other thing that's weird is that Melee and every other Smash game, even PM, which is, like, built to be similar to Melee... Are so different mechanically in some ways like melee doesn't have RAR. like you can't run forward and then jump in the air and be turned around like you can't do right that melee. you have to do like other specific actions to get your character to turn around mm. and it's something that i would think if i were to just talk about it i would mess up switching between melee and smash 4 and ultimate but i actually don't like my brain just kind of knows like if i'm playing smash 4 pm i do it this way but if i'm playing melee like i just do it the other way. Yeah. The other thing is like tap jump on every smash game. I turn off tap jump and melee. You can't turn off tap jump. But when I play melee tap jump being on never messes me up.
0: I know it's so, like
2: my brain. I don't know. I don't know why
0: it's so weird to me because I hate tap jump. But when I play melee like I, I know how to do all the advanced techniques of melee too. I can wave dash L cancel you know short hop double laser all that stuff right. I can do everything that anyone else can do. I can drill shine, but I can't do it as well as as consistently but i can't like my fingers can do it they're capable of doing it um but it's weird to me that tab jump i turn off in every game like you said where you can turn it off and in melee it never i never jump by accident because tap. like i never accidentally jump like that never has happened ever like never in my life can i say oh fuck i jumped Yeah.
1: yeah i can't fathom melee players man i try to play it and like it's weird to me that you have to abuse things that the creators of the game, like when they created, it, they did not design <laughs> it for the game to do a lot of these things. Right. Like today, a lot of the stuff they do is like Isn't anticipated. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I can't imagine. Cause when I play the game, uh, melee, it feels so slow and so choppy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It makes me so mad. But when I watch people play it, they move like more seamlessly than even like the newer games. It's crazy. Yeah. Like how they glide around everywhere. And,
2: Oh, I I could never. It's like <laughs> so
0: micro spacing too. The movement yeah. is
2: so clean. It's interesting because if you don't know how to play melee sometimes, like the movement can feel weird, right? But once you know how to play and you can take advantage of all that the buttery shit you can do, it feels so good and it looks so good too. It's funny talking about like people getting in the like I played melee like my whole like since 2001. I, it's my favorite smash game. I love it. And my cousin Stango like, I taught him how to play, and then he, as years went on, became way better than me. Like, he became ranked in the world. I think his highest ranking was ranked 32, like, in oh, the wow. world. Um, And so I, we're I'm not even close to him in skill. But I'm still, like, really good for, like, an average player. And I remember right. one of my friends, he watched Evo, and he got super in the melee. He was super excited. He was like, no, I'm going to start playing melee, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. And he was practicing for like a week, and he was like, Yo, do you want to come over and play melee? I was like, uh, sure. And I come over, and then at first I picked like Link or whatever. He's like, No, 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 pick your main. I was like, dude, you just picked it up. Like, just like give your he was like, No, 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 pick your main. Like, I've been practicing all week. Oh god. I was like, All right. The end of the story is I never played melee with him again. (laughs) 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 We never played again. It was that was it. We he realized, like, and I'm not even good but he realized the difference between me and him was so large. Like
0: it would take a while before he's able to beat you.
2: Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not power ranked and that's like how big the difference is between us. So. Right.
0: It puts it in perspective. Those games are great. I love the, the mindset you need for fighting games and then for card games where fighting games, there's no, I shouldn't say there's no, but there is very little variance. You don't have, you're not fighting against variance per se. Um, Right. You're more so fighting. Like your technical skill matters way more and those things than it does in, like, Yu-Gi-Oh!, right? Like, now, deck building and Yu-Gi-Oh! can win you the event. The whole event, you can actually misplay, but if your deck is way more powerful than everyone else's, like, it will it could just win you the entire tournament. Yep. Uh, misplays and all. There were games where the, for example, the YCS, I won uh, the guy who went 10-0, Ronald Mack. He's one of our friends from Alternate Universe, is the Philly Local. There's feature matches, I'm pretty sure, because he was the most featured player that weekend, if I'm not mistaken, as far as, like, out of our group uh he's playing a gravekeeper deck too and he's playing a vert like it's not Car- me and mckay play carve card the same deck all of the cards are exactly the same ronald because he wasn't explicitly given a deck list he made like his own version which is still pretty close to the final version anyway i think he played like dark rob and divine Raff or something like that some some stuff like that but anyway the point is he ended up going 10 and 0 and me and mccabe i think we both got into x2 so the two people who like started with the deck and took it from inception, did all the testing, everything like that. Like we're X2 fighting for our fucking lives. This guy goes 10 and 0 right? But when we read some of his feature matches, he would do stuff like uh set a monster, set to back row, and then royal tribute and he would have like Gravekeeper's Commandant in his hand. Oh man. And we're like what the (laughs) fuck? Like why didn't he just get a Necro Valley and, and like not have to discard his card? Like he's discarding his monsters too for no reason. And so that like stuff like that like but he went ten and zero. So like, right. what, what can you say? Like he, he fucking beasted on everybody oh that he played. The game. He didn't lose to anyone until McCabe. His, he went technically he went thirteen and zero because he only lost in top four. So or maybe that's fourteen and zero. I forget whatever the number is. But he yeah he went ten and zero in Swiss, and then he won top thirty two, top sixteen, top eight, and then he lost top four. So yeah thirteen and zero. He goes thirteen and zero before he finally loses to the decks creator had to take him out. <laughs>
1: That that's crazy. And that's sometimes that just happens. Yeah, is the, even, that even
3: powerful.
1: yeah, even the event uh that I won, I played Joel White in the finals. And I remember I was going through like I played Marjanko, I played Aaron Furman, I played um oh my god, I'm blanking. I, I played a lot of good players in Top yeah. Cut, and then I played Joel, who had only played for like six months competitively, like locally. Mm-hmm. Uh and he only lives like an hour for me, surprisingly. And uh he, was just playing metaphors, so like I, I think it might have just been like the best deck because he made a lot of mistakes when I played him and like I was able to capitalize, but it just made me wonder, you know, how he got to that point. Uh, yeah, now, now Joel, when I test with them and stuff, he's a lot better of a player than he used to be, but he got to the finals of an event.
0: Uh, I played him for that know. event too, by the way. He was my last, yeah, my last Swiss round, I played him,
1: yeah, and he he made. A lot of mistakes. Like he even forgot an Ariande search against me. And on the like, you know, maybe it was the pressure. Definitely. Uh, but that's same...
0: that's blatant.
1: Yeah. No. Well, so what happened was he popped it. He went to set combination. He's like, uh, I was like, is that what you want? Like you can switch it. I'm not going to shark you. And then he goes back in his deck, looks at it, looks at counter, puts down counter. I was like, okay. He's like, uh, picks it up again, puts down fusion. Okay. So he switches through all three of them. He's like, is that it? He's like, yeah. And then he just continues playing. Completely <laughs> forgot he popped Ariande. Uh, but yeah, so, but, yeah, but I think that pressure, the, yeah, the metaphor deck was just so good because it could buy time. If you weren't playing blue eyes and they weren't putting the big, uh, synchro monster out, you just pen five, every turn, your yeah. opponent couldn't kill you. And then you do it again next turn. You do it again next turn. And like all that deck did was buy time with like counter, uh, it, until you could get to like Kirin or like gofu play or something like that. You were yeah. just buying time and just loading up your board. Yeah.
0: So you felt very comfortable playing that deck.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like the longer games go on, typically the more I'm able to capitalize on uh, you what know, was, different mistakes others make and stuff. What was your record in Swiss? Uh, X one, or I was X two actually, but my last round of Swiss, I versus Mark Maya, I got pulled behind the curtain, uh, because one of my three painful, uh, decision or painful. Yeah. Decision. It's the one where you send a,
0: send a normal monster.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of my three, uh, sleeves, I guess had like, you know, dots that get on the back of your card sleeves after playing for a while, yeah. they're a white players choice. Yeah, and those are the most of them. Yeah. And I was like, I like, I don't know what it to is, tell you. I is, swear. Yeah. I was like, if I was going to mark a card, it would not be that. Like, yeah. I promise you that was not intentional and they believed me, but they still said they had to give me a game loss. Uh, and I had to switch my sleeves. So uh, and I had already lost game one, one game two, and it was game three. And, and so I lost that match. That so was X2 uh, at the end of day one.
0: Yeah. Sleeves just naturally get dirty. Like this probably won't get picked up on a camera at all, but this sleeve is so dirty in person like this. Yeah. Is no, my like, Edison deck, and the, yeah. the sleeves are just there because I've been using these sleeves since I first started the the format two months ago. And they're right. just really dirty. I haven't marked any of these cards. I don't care. Every time I switch my deck, I just switch the cards out the sleeves and then put a new ones. But I know exactly what you mean. And over the course of an 11 round tournament, that's just what's going to happen. I've been pulled behind the curtain before too. Uh, I think only twice, considering how long I play Yu-Gi-Oh. That's not bad. One of them yeah, I have nothing pulled to Behind do the with...
2: curtain sounds like a trap card, right? It's
0: bad. It's really bad.
1: It like get it's bad, scary. Right? It's so scary, especially when you know you're innocent and you're yes. just like, because you just need them to believe you. Yes, and that's all you can hope for because you day, know you hear
0: say anything. Yeah,
1: you hear the horror stories of innocent people. I mean, it's so long as you believe they're innocent. You hear the horror stories, yes. though, where they get, like, banned, and they, they literally didn't do anything.
0: Yeah, let them tell it. Yeah, I've been pulled behind the curtain twice. One of them, my opponent brought me uh, at the event where I played Dragoonity. It was actually last round. Um, okay. My opponent was an idiot. There's a judge standing behind him, and uh, we're playing. I'm playing Dragoonity. He's playing uh, Gravekeepers, of all things. And this is right after I won the YCS. Right, And so there was one YCS in between. It was the 6am one in Texas, but then that event just kind of whatever. That event was just so ignorant. So right after that was that,
1: three gateway, right? And yeah, that was
0: three gateway. So that event was horrible. Yeah. Uh from my perspective anyway. Um, but the next event is the Charlotte, I believe it's Charlotte, 2011. And so I'm playing Dragoony, he's playing Gravekeepers. And we're in game three, I want to say. And out of nowhere, he's like, yo, uh, would you take five dollars for it? And I was like, Five And I literally looked at him and I said, Excuse me. And he's like, Would you do five for it? I was like, five what? He's like, five dollars. It was like five dollars for what? He's like five dollars for the win, and the judge literally is like, who's literally looking at me and listening to the conversation, like puts his head but like kind of down towards the guy and goes, "Uh, hold that thought," and he walks away. And I was like, "Oh god!" And then they pull him behind the curtain, you know, the curtain. Then they pull me behind the curtain. I explain exactly what happened. I guess that my story lined up with the judges exactly because when it was all said and done, he got disqualified, probably banned, and then they said to me like your story and the judge's story was exactly the same word for word, almost scarily. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he offered me $5 for the win and he was dead fucking serious too. Yeah.
1: Sometimes blatant cheating uh, or blatant stuff like that uh, happens. I I have a story after you tell your other one. So
0: yeah, the other, the other time was really scary. So I went undefeated at nationals in 2013 with windups. I went nine Oh day one. And so did my friend from local Mark Velez. We call him Little Mark. Uh, he also went 9-0 with wind up. So both of us from the same local play all the time. Play every single weekend, literally. Uh, both of us go 9-0. And, you know, we're just hand-looping people. That was the best call for the deck, for the, for the event. And it ended up winning the event, too. Like, hand-loop wind. Actually, an extreme version of our deck won the event. Because it was, like, all-in loop-your-hand deck. Like it, was, it played a bunch of level 3 monsters that junk forward and stuff like that. Gillasaurus probably. Just to make sure it looped you turn 1. Ours was, like... We will most likely loop you turn one if we go first, but if we don't do a turn one, we can just do it middle of the game. Uh, but anyway, so we go undefeated. And I remember round seven or so. I'm I'm 7-0, maybe 6-0 or something like that. I get pulled behind the curtain by a Judge. And he goes, uh, so I'm looking at your sleeves, this is a deck check. So he's like, I'm looking at your sleeves mm-hmm. and what can you tell me about these three? So I'm my heart is pounding because it right. has my deck and he pulls out three cards. He doesn't show them to me yet. He's like, what can you tell me about these two? So I'm expecting, because my deck at the time, it plays Monster Born, it plays Pot of Avarice, because these cards make a way you loop all five. So normally the wind-up loop, I think it takes all of their cards except one. Right. And if you play Monster Born or Pot of Avarice, if you draw those, you can actually take all five of your opponent's cards. So I have like Monster Born, which is at one. Pot of Avarice, I'm pretty sure was at one at the time as well. And let's say like Heavy Storm or something. In my head, I'm thinking, he's about to show me these three cards, because these are the most powerful cards in my deck, and everyone who plays wind-ups knows that these are the three most powerful cards. Anyway... He flips over three cards and he shows me three wind up rabbits, and so I kind of laugh a little bit. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't want
1: to open that card. <laughs>
0: like disrespectfully, I fucking chuckle. Like I literally chuckle at this guy. I'm like, "What do you want me to tell you about those cards?" And he goes, "Well, they seem uh, they they seem marked." And I was like, "What do you mean? Like you can you can cut to them or something? Like can you you can get to them in my deck? Like I'm not I'm not understanding what you mean." And he like shuffles my deck and he like tries to cut to one. He's having a hard time (laughs) and I'm looking at him and I'm still, I'm still kind of laugh in my head. Now I'm not even afraid anymore because I think this is ridiculous now. Like now, Uh even though he could technically just be like, I think these are marked you're getting banned. You're getting disqualified. I am fully in. I am fully thinking that this is not serious anymore because of what card it is. Like I'm ready to plead my case. So as he's trying his hardest to cut to the fucking wind up rabbits, i tell him, i gonna say, Hey, uh, not to be that guy but like if i were cheating those would not be the cards that i would be cheating with like that card it's okay like it's you need to play it because it's like there's not many good windups but i was like that's not like the best card in the deck by any means like i could see if you pulled out my you know shark right like wind up shark is insane hey, or tour guide or wind up factory maybe tour yeah. out of the underworld like there's so many cards he pulled out wind up rabbit and i guess because that's the only secret rare card in the wind up deck like i think the, the entire wind up deck is 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 not secret rare except wind up rabbit so i think even my tour guys might have been like super or something at the time like they might have been a l- rarity lower than secret so i'm thinking to myself like okay this can't be real and he just kind of just like lets it go he's like just go play around like he angrily gives me my deck back and tells me just go play my round he tells me he's watching me I was like, okay. okay. So at this point, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, this fucking judge is somebody who just doesn't like me as a person, which is fair. Like a lot of people don't, and I'm okay with that. But I'm just hoping that his bias towards me or his hate for me doesn't end up with me being banned from Yu-Gi-Oh for something I just did not do, and nothing ever came of it. That was in 2013, and I literally have never had it. an infraction that was like suspicious or anything in my entire Yu-Gi-Oh career. I think the worst thing that has ever happened to me was when I topped the event you won. And I got a game loss for forgetting to write big Eye, which is not cheating in any kind of way because why the fuck would I not write a card that I play right. on my deck list? And it doesn't help me. It doesn't give me any kind of advantage whatsoever to not write a card and write 14 cards on my extra deck. I put myself at a disadvantage of anything. So yeah, like, they're never, hindering you. Yeah. So I've never, ever in my life had like an infraction where my integrity was questioned or anything crazy. Uh, thankfully. So those are like my two. What is, what's your uh, story?
1: Uh yeah. So the, the other story I was going to say, so that was the only time I've ever been pulled behind the curtain, but, uh, it was funny that you brought up that story where that guy asked you like that straight up in front of a judge because yeah. it's crazy what people try to pull off in front of a judge. There was one round where uh, I was in a 3v3. It was me, Justin, and Bernardo. We were against uh, Jarrett Zimmerman's team. It was him and these two uh, brothers. I don't I don't know who who they are exactly. Okay. Uh, what, are Asian? Yeah, they're Asian. I know exactly who uh, they are. Yeah, so one of them's playing Bernardo, and there's a judge right in front of us. We're all shuffling. We offer our decks everyone cuts and then judge goes you two are getting a random deck check uh to bernardo and one of the asian brothers okay and he the that brother picks up his deck the moment the judge says it decides puts in other cards and then puts his deck in his deck box and bernardo turns to the judge he's like did you see that and the judge is (laughs) like oh yeah i saw it (laughs) and then they had to play with only two people after that uh but yeah i was just dumbfounded like dude just say you forgot the side and yeah. like you probably get a match loss, but you probably don't like get DQ'd from the event. Right. Yeah. But this guy just straight decided from a judge. Like he knew it was there oh, beforehand. Man. So it was just straight up cheating.
0: Yeah. that That's one of the scariest things that can happen. Uh, when, I, when Once I realized, cause I'm also a judge. Once I realized how the deck check thing works. Uh, so the judge is supposed to wait until you present your deck to your opponent. In which case mm-hmm. the duel has officially commenced. And You've now given your opponent your deck with the intent that that's the deck you're going to be playing with now. Once they like once right. they grab the deck from you, that's the deck. So I remember I would get deck checked, and sometimes my judge would be a little too quick, and so they would grab my deck from me before I handed it to my opponent, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong. But I remember one time I forgot to decide, and he's right. like he goes to grab my deck box, and I say like, hold on, I need to decide before you take it. And he's like the match already started. I said no, it hasn't. I actually haven't presented my deck yet, and I know the rules, so you can't just like. I have not given this deck to my opponent. I've not presented this as my deck. I pulled this deck on my deck box and you said, All right, guys, everything back in the deck box. Give me your decks. And I was like, Hold on, let me decide. Because sometimes oh, after a game, if I go in a time, like I, you know, you don't get a chance to decide sometimes for whatever you know. Sometimes you just don't get a chance. Like sometimes you're you might be the last round and they're like, All right, after you're done, take the match lip, next round goes up, and you're like, fuck.
1: Yeah, and I face that a lot too, because like like you said the uh am on one of your other podcasts, I also play really slow because mm-hmm. the way I play is I sit there for like Almost a minute straight analyzing everything I'm going to do and like trying yeah. to calculate all the risk for each line of play I'm wanting to make, uh, and then I start playing at a regular speed. But obviously, if I get hand trapped, it like resets. All right, pause for a second. Yeah. Now I've got to reanalyze. Exact
0: way. Like I don't yeah. play all of my moves. Some of my decisions you'll watch are rapid as hell, but right, some right. of them are like, well, I need to really think about this. And you, you know, you have time. Like it's not like the the time is. You get forty minutes for a reason. Uh, right. you're allowed around three minutes a turn or whatever it is you know y- y- as long as you're playing at a, a reasonable pace like you are allowed to think a lot of people think that like oh you need to be making all your decisions super quick why don't you know every scenario as soon as it comes up like that's ridiculous
1: yeah i hear the you have 10 seconds for every every
0: single play you make it's like no i oh, usually yeah. look at my opening hand especially in edison format i usually look at my opening hand for probably like you said a minute like i stare at my opening yeah. hand unless it's so obvious unless i have one play like if i have one play like oh set right-going. right 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 Right. Set call, whatever, Mirror Force, Torrential, whatever. Like those plays like, okay, this is super simple. I don't really have much going on. If if I have spy and Ryko and Sangan, that's a decision. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like, that's a that's and, a decision.
1: Yeah, and that's why I was saying, like, so I I go into time pretty frequently and, and like have where I have to decide as I'm sitting down. So I yeah. can't imagine if that happened to me and a judge is like, I need your deck, and it's like I cause I didn't know you had to present your deck first, yeah, honestly. You so you yeah, you saying that's good because you know, if that ever does come up for me now, you know, I, I have the I'm not ignorant to that, so yeah, I won't know
0: that like they're they aren't supposed to try to get your deck before you present it. But the second you give your deck to your opponent, you've presented your deck now. It's now that is whatever you gave is technically your legal deck. So if it's wrong, then you get a game loss. And it, it's not a match, it's just the game loss, but right, uh, unless they realize something else is going on. But that's a whole different,
1: right? Whole different yeah, thing. and, and I, I've judged before and I didn't know that, so it's yeah. I'm really glad that uh, you brought that up.
0: One of the head judges the like I wanna say Yu-Gi-Oh in general. He's one of the biggest head judges, Paul Fahi, I think is that how you say his last name. But yeah. he is my local judge. So he's the guy that he just goes to our locals on a regular Saturday, Sunday, at least back in the day. I don't think he he doesn't done that in a while because of one, the pandemic, and two, he's just like much older now. And we kind of don't need him at locals. We have other regular judges now at locals. But when I was coming up, like when me and McKay were going around topping a bunch of events, he was the head judge every single week at locals. And he happened to also be the head judge at multiple YCSs and nationals. And I always felt very comfortable because he teaches a lot just about how to judge. Because I, I was a judge under him. And he taught me a lot about just how to do it properly. You know, how to tell. I always get tricked up or not tricked up, but kind of like, I don't know. I get weird when the situation is a he say, she say scenario where. Oh,
1: I hate those. Two
0: Yu-Gi-Oh! players are just arguing about something. When time was called, for example, they won't agree on whose turn it was. Um, right now they want to agree on what phase it was. He said battle phase. He, like I, he didn't say battle phase. He's still in main phase one. He said it when the buzzer. As soon as he heard the buzzer, he said attack. Like you know stuff. It's just like how do you even? This is so hard to prove. But Paul has taught me stuff to kind of like you know you have to make a decision at the end of the day. He's like right. so, you know you have to figure out. You have to ask these guys over and over. Let them explain a the story. Then you come up with whoever you feel like is right and who you think is lying. And
2: if you can't figure it out, just flip a coin. i will be like, all right, guys, listen. Either you're either <laughs> Agree on a story or I'm flipping a coin to decide the winner. A lot I, of I, times they err
1: on the side of caution too, right? So like they'll say, all right. So when you attempted to enter the phase, if they are saying they had an opportunity to activate something like what card? like, you know, I want to see what cards you have. Cause a lot of times yes. uh, like an Altergeist player will have like a set protocol, but no alter monsters and no faker in hand. And yes, theoretically they could activate it before they enter battle. Uh, right. but it's not accomplishing anything they wouldn't normally otherwise so the judge would side with the person entering battle phase exactly. but if the but if the person has a reasonable card before battle phase let's say max c still card you know i wanted to activate this because you know if we're not playing for time he's probably special summoning and i'm down three cards right yeah. well that, now they have a legitimate argument they were thinking before they went into the battle phase
0: yep no i totally get yeah. that that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah judging is interesting uh but feeling comfortable at events you know never having any crazy infractions or anything i I've played U-G-I-A for over 10 years, I feel like, and it does feel nice to just get out the game like cleanly and not have to worry about your reputation being tarnished. You see so many people who go out bad and it's just like, damn.
1: Like, oh, it's I'm crazy. Gonna... A lot of these guys I used to look up to have bans on their name. I remember I saw an event, like, uh, it was an old event, and someone uh, at my locals, like, 19 people in this top 32 have been banned at some point. I was like, <laughs> that is crazy. Like, that's absurd because. 19, you know, at that point in time, right. yeah, so many of them were uh so well regarded, you know yes. what I mean? So yep. uh and, and it's crazy that like over time I remember I like I said, I copied Simon He's deck and I was such a big fan. Mm-hmm. And after the uh the Mark Dragon, the E Dragon uh thing that happened to him, I was it was hard for me to fathom. Like I was like, There's no way like Yeah. Yeah, so well crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I have a question for you though. Uh, sure. This is kind of random, but I, I just want to know. So, did you sell your prize card, your ultra rare prize card, when you won?
1: Sadly, yeah. oh my god! So I, to, I, I always
0: like to make everyone feel bad about this, but this is the feel it, bad moment. So, you know, how much I felt did you so get? good when 1800?
1: it happened. Eighteen hundred. I got eighteen hundred, and yep. And I remember I was thinking about holding it. I was like, I maybe I should try to get two grand. Yeah. And everyone's like, No, you won't get more than fifteen hundred for it from anyone else, dude. Just Even sell it. I
0: told I, you, eighteen is so fucking good.
1: I know, and. Honestly, like you said, though, no one could predict that selling li- quite literally any Yu-Gi-Oh any card was card just a mistake. Every card you've ever
0: sold in your entire life before the year twenty twenty was a mistake. Every single card you've ever sold.
1: Yeah, I remember selling a playset of Super Metas for two hundred dollars in twenty fourteen. They were seventy a piece, and I sold a playset of them for two hundred. How much? And they like, they're like a grand each or something. Jesus. Like, yeah. So, I, like, yeah i I don't like to think about that stuff.
0: Yeah, I didn't like to talk about it either because I've gotten destroyed as well on my collection as far as selling things before. Right. I mean, I still have a lot of cards left, but uh, I sold a lot of my collection as I, you know, I quit and then my collection started to slowly go. Right.
1: Yeah, but being an eighteen-year-old kid and still like just in college, yeah, eighteen hundred bucks was a lot of money. So,
0: so do you know what your prize card is worth now?
1: I honestly don't want to look it. I looked it up. The ultra rare one. A year and a half ago or something, and it was like six grand, so I imagine it's much more than that
0: now. It's probably more than double that. I imagine it's in the twenty to thirty grand now. Oh, <laughs> Ultra rare <laughs> prize cards are outrageously expensive. That's
1: just that's casually a down payment on a house or an Casu- entire
2: car.
0: Casually an See? entire
2: car, casually a now, Tesla. Now you know why he offered you five dollars for the win, man. He <laughs> just Take this yeah. five, yo. Take but, this five. But realistically,
1: $5. Like, yeah. I don't have the integrity to, to do that. But, like, even if someone did want to sell you a win, who would do it for $5? Yo, that's <laughs> the thing. That's, that's, the what made show, it that's, that's what's so, so
0: funny. When I told this story to, I'm just going to say it. Uh, Frank, Frank the Brito was one of the people who questioned me. Uh, th- th- we didn't know each other at the time. Like, I know Frank well now. Right. At the time, you know, I'm a new YCS champion, I don't really know like Julia, Frank, and those guys at, at this current time, like I kind of, I know of them, but I don't know them
2: Right. and yeah.
0: uh, so he's questioning me you know, arms folded, like he's really, he's taller than me and everything like that, I'm really like kind of intimidated because I'm scared that I'm in trouble for doing something, but I'm like, Why this guy me? I'm like, this, well they just wanted to know what happened yeah, like, yeah. if we both were working, if they wanted to know if we were working out a deal, but when I told right. him I said, this guy literally offered me $5 and I was like, I'm going to be honest with you I felt slighted like, I just straight, I straight up felt fucking slighted. Like I felt slighted. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like five dollars? Because when he said five, I said five what? Five what? Like, like I thought he was gonna say five hundred. I'm like, uh, still no, because we're literally on the bubble. We're both X and one or two. So whoever wins this has a chance to top. I think I was X and two. I feel like we were both X and two. That sounds right for my Dragonity e deck.
1: I don't right. remember,
0: but whatever we were, we had a chance to top. I think whoever won guarantee was in top thirty two. And so I'm like at this time, this would have been my second top. I actually wanted this top really badly because I had that whole stigma thing about being a one one hit wonder. Like I didn't want top, I didn't want to just win with gravekeepers and never top again, as some people had. I wanted to be, you know, a a person. I wanted to get a name for myself. So that top meant more to me than five hundred dollars. I'm gonna be honest, that top might meant more to me Definitely more than five, more than fifty, more than five hundred. And at the time, as crazy as it sounds, it might have been worth more than five thousand dollars for me just because of how bad. I love Yu-Gi-Oh! And I wanted to win. Like, money wasn't really the goal. And honestly, if you yeah. play Yu-Gi-Oh! Money probably should not yeah, be the goal. Yeah, it isn't
2: the goal. Yeah, <laughs> it just for can't, sure.
0: It just can't be the goal for Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, play anything else. And even
2: if it is, what was the... Because I know a lot of tournaments, I don't know, a lot of tournaments, if you topped, you know, you got a mat or whatever. Like You got
0: a mat, box, maybe a, a, a game system...
2: My wow. thing is, if top in that tournament would have got you more than five dollars, like yes.
0: That, <laughs> that, that was the other thing that was weird to me. Is what? like, well, if I just get top thirty-two, the mat itself is a hundred minimum.
2: Yeah, like the mat is f- like so, I'm going to get a mat if I top with like five dollars.
0: Yeah, like what are we doing? It was it was a weird situation, and uh, I don't know. But yeah, that guy. I don't think he ever played Yu Gi Oh again. I don't think he really took Yu Gi Oh that serious to begin with. If I'm being right. completely honest with you, uh, I know he was friends with Jeff Jones and. Jeff was like, he's an idiot. Like I walked to Jeff and told him the story. He was like, he's just, a, he's, he's stupid. And I was like, e-. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's just, he's an idiot. He literally called him an idiot. So I'm not surprised. Uh, but yeah. So use you all your prize cards, hold mine for nothing comparatively. And uh, what'd uh, you sell yours for? Uh,
1: if like you don't a, mind me like, asking like a,
0: like a grand like three, uh, Yeah. Three ultra rare dark Lords, $4,000. No big deal. They're probably worth yeah. like 15, 20 K now.
1: Yeah. And that's mm. what people were selling uh, the price card. I, I sold for 18. That's what they were selling later on in that format. Cause I, I was the first one in the U S to have an ultra mm-hmm. of that prize card. Uh, so they're just, and there was only two in circulation mine and one other one. That's why I could sell it for so much more.
0: Yeah. You got a dollar. Uh, yeah. Are you a but, collector in general?
1: Uh, So recently in like the past two or three years, my wife and I have got this binder that we keep in a safe that we keep adding to uh, as just something that we figure five, 10 years from now, uh, you know, when we have kids and whatnot that, we could sell out and you know have a comfortable position or you know, if we're good on money even later, you know, maybe retirement or something. So yeah, it yeah.
0: Could literally be that though. Yeah, no, for sure. It, yeah, Charizard collect
1: collecting Yu-Gi-Oh! is crazy.
0: Yeah, and these Charizard. I just saw a Charizard sold for 420k. I think it set a new record this week. So that's insane. Four hundred and twenty thousand dollars for a Charizard. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think
1: that ten thousand dragon in Yu-Gi-Oh is gonna be worth a ton of money someday. Ten thousand uh, dragon? Yeah, do you know what that is? It came out in like a side set, I think, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, and it says ten thousand on the bottom of the card. It's like a completely uh, okay. it's different type of rarity. Yeah, and uh, it you pull them in like one in every twelve point some odd cases or something like that. Like they How were much really rare. Yeah. I think it's uh, I want to say it's like fifteen sixteen hundred right now. Okay, dollars, but yeah, I I honestly think in like ten. 20 years it's gonna actually be like a ten thousand dollar dragon
0: <laughs> i think that's so cool i uh, i I'll, I'll, I'll want that for that card just because ten thousand <laughs> dragon worth ten. yeah yeah that so meme, oh. that meme needs to come to fruition
2: oh this is the guy that's the i just looked it up he's the like the the cover monster for master duel yeah
0: yep oh really
2: okay yeah yep.
0: yeah okay I, I know what you're talking about now i, I had to I had to come back to me like what do you if people were telling me, Fraser, you need to get this Dark Magician to collect this rare one that just came out recently. Yep. I was like, sure, I'll get one. Why not? Yeah,
1: of course you would. You you need that. That's yeah, your
0: I,
2: signature. You I
0: need it. This card.
2: This card is a rant. Must be special summoned by tributing monsters whose combined attack and defense is ten thousand or more. If summoned this way, this card's attack and defense becomes ten thousand.
0: So like, yeah, this, it becomes ten thousand.
2: It, it's not good, but <laughs> that's a rant. It, the art is fucking dope.
1: There's probably a world it works and then you summon cannon soldier and win the game, but... <laughs>
0: cannon, <laughs> cannon soldier, that card. Taking it back. Well, alright, we can start to wrap this up. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you guys wanted to discuss while we're on. I,
1: I did want to ask you one question because yeah. I just was curious where your mind's at. Uh, so, is there has there ever been a point for you and if so, when was it that you felt like you know, I made it uh, it, in Yu Gi Oh, like obviously, I know for you, like the win wasn't enough, and yeah, uh, you wanted to people. But like, what point were you like? So, like, I'm I'm gonna be regarded like top five, top ten all time, so uh for, for a long time.
0: For me, uh, a couple things is I don't know if it's one, I don't know if it was one particular moment, but I know the the big thing that really made me start to sleep differently at night with like the chip was no longer on my shoulder. It was when I was fully sponsored by ARG. Uh, there right. was something that felt so special about walking into an event wearing like an ARG hoodie and then seeing Patrick Hovind and Jeff Jones and Billy Brake and Alistair and JoJ Orlando all wearing the exact same thing and only us wearing the exact same thing with our names on it. And like people walking up to us and asking for signatures. I remember at Long Beach 2012, me and Alistair was it me and Alistair? I think it was me, Alistair, and Billy. We walked around the event, because that event didn't start for like four hours. It took so long for it to begin, because it was 4,000 people. And they didn't expect it. Uh, that event, we walked around for four hours just doing nothing. And we had to sign so many cards. Mind you, this is only two years after. 2012 is only two years after. I went in 20, 2010. So right. like, two years later, I have a ton of tops now, and... I, like, didn't know Billy at all before I won. I literally have never talked to him before, never even seen him before, and then all of a sudden, like, now I'm on the same team as him, and, like, Alistair, same thing. Like, we were were friends, but, like, not really, like, uh, as close as we got from, you know, being on the same team and stuff, and there was a guy who walked up to us, I'll never forget, he walked up to us with three Rescue Rabbits, mind you, at the time, Rescue Rabbit was a $70 card, and it was Secret Rare only, and he walked up to us, and he's like, hey, can you guys each sign one of my Rescue Rabbits for my deck today? And all three of us looked at each other and was like, no, you can't be serious, right? Like, that card is, like, almost $100. Like, we're not, we usually, you know, we sign stuff, but usually it's like, oh, sign my mat, sign my binder, sign a card in the sleeve. But he took the shits out the sleeve, put them in front of us, and was like, sign these rescue rabbits, you each sign one. And so we did, and we walked away, and we like, yo, that's kind of crazy. And that wasn't the only time where I was asked to sign something expensive. I was asked to sign three Secret Rare Pot of Dualis when they were 150 each. Oh man. Like when I wonder why YCS, somebody asked me to sign three secret rare first edition Pod of dualities, and their card was fully over a hundred dollars. And stuff like that, like just like writing articles, people telling me how much they love like the origin series. Um mm-hmm. you know, just people walking up to me telling me they're my favorite player, like meeting you, like you're one of the people who was like, Yo, like I always was inspired by you and stuff like that. That's what really did it for me when I realized like, holy shit, like this is bigger than just like me. Like I thought like I was doing this for my own, like, I just wanted to top a bunch of times and, and everything. But then you realize, like, people are actually looking up to you. Yeah, like and fanboys be... aren't just scrubs either. <laughs> right, exactly. Fanboys grow up to fucking be the next top players.
1: Yeah, I know. And, like, it, it's it's funny how that is. Cause, it's uh, Deku, uh, Deku, and Deku, Deku,
0: Deku and Night All Might. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I remember the first time I signed a card, I was like, are, you're, are you talking to me? Like, you want me to sign something? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just have YCS YCS I dude. That's it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Interesting. yeah, my moment was, uh, so after I won the YCS a few months later, I had, uh, won that ARG. And then yes, after man. that I topped 16 nets and, and lost to Roland. And I remember being like really sad. Cause I really thought I was going to worlds. I felt unstoppable for like that year. What was the, uh, uh, so I was playing pure zoo and so was Roland and, uh, it literally came down to, so the funny thing is I flying seed Roland and he acted so upset. Like I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna win. Like I, this is over." And he's like, "I'm just messing with you, man." And then plays a uh, barrage and pops wow. the Flank sea. Yeah, <laughs> and he he BM'd me so bad. Oh my but, uh, god! But he, he was cool about it yeah, though and stuff. And like, yeah, because yeah, I thought I was gonna two O him, and then uh, game three he won also. But he just had Imperial Order, and I had a handful of spells. But after that event, I. Dale Belito actually messaged me and was asking me questions about the zoo deck and stuff. And, and uh, you know, we talked a bit and he told me that he thinks me and Justin Singh we're going to be the next billion Jeff of our generation when everything's said and done is what he told me. And wow. like, that was like the highest uh, praise, especially because it came from someone who, wasn't my friend cuz like right. you said you you would say nice stuff like that right I but like you're my friend
0: you and i'll be all over you talk i mean literally i used to rub your abs for good luck every event <laughs> I used to rub
3: your yeah. abs for good luck
1: that's true that's true and uh but yeah so like i like hearing it from you like because you were my friend yeah, i didn't know right. if it was genuine or as genuine uh but then when i heard it from someone that you know is considered an all-time great that i literally never spoke to and yeah. and he said that to me like That was when I was like, all right, well, like the recognitions there, like I've heard it from a lot of people, but it it felt real. Yeah, it
0: feels good to be recognized. That's a big part of it. And the crazy thing is, uh, Jim, my first sponsor, he believed in me when I really didn't believe in myself. Like I said, I declined him when he first offered me a sponsorship because I thought I wasn't good enough. I didn't want to be an embarrassment to ARG. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I never topped anything else. And then uh, I got a couple more tops and then I came back to him and he sponsored me. But, like, that imposter syndrome where you think, like, oh, I'm not really that good, I, I just got lucky, or whatever, and then come to find out, like, no, you actually are as good as you know. You are Right. Like, you actually are good. And and then you become great, and it's like, yeah, this is who I am, and you just embrace it. It's like, no one can take right. that from me. Like, I know, like, yes, I've only won one YCS. Like, I've never won another YCS. I've been close uh, a couple times, but even still, like, I am still considered one of the best players to ever play, and no one can ever take that from me. I, like, I ended. it on a high note in Yu Gi Oh, and that that to me feels great. Like people still to this day, I haven't played in over five years, and they still just like they know who I am. They know that I'm you know well regarded. And it's funny even at my locals, like some people are just like, oh god, like Fraser's playing again. I'm like, no, I'm not playing your game. I'm playing Edison. Like don't.
1: Oh yeah, and you'll always instill fear oh. when you sit across yes, from someone who, who knows the name Fraser Smith. Yeah, yeah,
0: and that that stuff is kind of cool to me. Like. I don't take it too seriously. Now I'm, I'm, I'm way over myself and reality. Like I, you know, I play against my opponents and I don't just theoretically expect to beat them just because I kind of know I still have to work for it and I shouldn't sleep on anybody. And so the second you do that is when you start to lose. So I never lose sight of my competitiveness and just like, I respect right. all my opponents, you know, even, even if my opponent walks to the table and they say, Oh fuck. And they still do stuff like that. Uh,
1: but, oh yeah, no, yeah. for sure. And and Kenny, just so you know, the reason I regarded Frazier so highly and whatnot uh, as well is at that event I won in 2016, uh, after I won round two, he he was watching my match because he finished his really fast. He said to me, Dude, you're winning this whole event, and you know obviously <laughs> no one says that that early in a tournament. Yes. And then we get to top cut. He's in top cut with me. He's like, he's like, this sucks. I was like, why? He's like, because I can't win. You're gonna win this event. <laughs> okay, we were both in top cut, and then I went on to win the event. He's like, I told you. Yeah, I knew
0: that we. Fire. I felt it. I fucking felt it. Also, I knew that you were going to be a good player when we first met. I don't know. There's like a weird. I have this weird like foresight thing. I, all my friends know it. It's like a really weird foresight ability. But for some reason, when I first met you and just like as we progressed throughout our friendship, I just knew that you were going to be like not only just a YCS champion, but just a great player. Like you were just going to be great. I, it's just weird. It's just a weird feeling. Like you got to imagine a ton of people walk up to me and talk to me about, you know, you inspire me and. Can, you know, talk about all of their, you know, their real life and stuff. That happens a lot. Like not even to be like pompous about or anything, but that just happens so often. But for whatever reason, me and you became actual friends. And it's because I was like, yo, this guy is good. Like I want to be around this kid. Like I know he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. He's also very competitive. He's very passionate about this. And next thing you know, you were fucking over here winning. Like
1: Yeah. and, And it wasn't right. It wasn't fake at all either. Cause like a lot of people became my friends after i started yes. winning you know what i mean so but you were my glad. friend way before I'm that so
0: glad in fact it was so here's here's how bad it was and we can end off with this here's how bad it was there were times when i would be hanging out with you faisal and your whole group right and everybody and uh people in my groups would be like who the hell are those people and why are you constantly going out to eat with them like you're going over to their hotel like you're you're walking around like i would be at the event and i wouldn't be hanging out with my friends that i already had i'll be hanging out with like you guys like literally just right. walk, like people would be confused like what the hell like who are those people like who are those like, yeah, like who are these bums <laughs> yeah like who are those scrubs you're hanging with who are those random scrubs like and i'm just like they're my friends leave leave them alone i don't need to yeah. hang around pros all day just let me let me hang around my fucking friends and then my, my fucking my scrub friends end up all, all of you guys became YCS champions, which is just insane to me. I still can't get over that. You, Faisal, and Imran all became YCS champions. That is nuts.
2: Maybe they stole your juice. Maybe you gave all of them your juice. Well, if that's the way <laughs> it ends
0: for me, then I'm happy because that means I want a lot of fucking juice. To yeah,
2: to keep doing well, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like
0: creepy. Give them all that.
2: the juice. You know, there's, there's girls on, on, you know, on the internet now selling their bath water. Maybe that's what we got to do. We got to put it.
0: Some there's Fraser so many juice. things i want to talk about still but i want to end this one here we could just have you back again it's not like you're going anywhere god willing so let's have you back because i do want to talk about anime uh i don't know if you like if you play anything else it anime.
2: sounds like you oh, he you loves one a piece bunch of so, anime like us. Yeah, yeah you love, and one piece is my absolute shit so
1: same i love one piece so much I and absolutely. i'm a huge anime nerd just like i i know i brought up the natural reference but i've I have a uh, word document of all the anime I've ever watched, and it's like four pages long, bro. Yeah. I need to do
0: that. I need to do that yeah. because I started to I started to uh, attack myself. Like uh, this happened in the last two years, thinking that I wasn't a true anime fan because I was like, do I just watch only mainstream anime? And then I started to realize that's just not true. I watch. Uh, I've I've watched a lot You're of anime a that
2: mainstreamer.
0: Yeah, like I, I'm not like I don't just watch Naruto, DBZ, Bleach, One Piece, Attack on Titan. Right. Like, like I I have a lot of off beat anime that I actually have watched and that I I, I kind of forgot about and like people also wouldn't know by you know looking at me or talking to me because when you talk about anime you typically do bring up the big ones, uh, right? Just so that we all can kind of you know have something that we agree upon and have in common. Ah.
2: I was right. keeping track of all my shit on my anime list for a while, but I just like stopped doing it. And so out I'm going to go email.
0: through. Yeah. I'm going to go through and just do my anime list. I think I'm going to go yeah. through the whole fucking thing and just check off everything I've actually seen. Cause I've seen a lot of random shit and yeah, I love anime and I, I definitely want to have you back to talk. We could talk more about Yu-Gi-Oh! We could talk more about Edison format. I think you also just mentioned, uh, you made the Dragoonity deck from 2011. I know you said that people play 2014 nationals, I think.
1: Yeah, that's the, I'd say next to Edison. That's probably the next biggest format getting Steam right now. But I honestly, I didn't look at it from your light at first where you really wanted to push Edison because, you know, you want the community surrounded around something. That way, eventually when we all get tired of Edison yes. or you know it gets solved and then we can start to move to another format like Yeah,
0: cuz my thing is with Edison, right? So Edison is where I have chosen to stick my flag in and say this is where I'm playing at Like I'm not going right. anywhere else. I know that we could play technically any old format, but the thing is with Yu-Gi-Oh players, you have to get them all on board to like you have to focus the group. You, you can't have it fragmented and I'm afraid that if everybody's like, "Oh, let's play this one. Let's play this one. Let's play this format." Let's play this format it's just going to get fragmented and Konami's never going to back one individual format if they realize that edison format is actually huge then maybe it'll get some real backing by the actual creator of the game and that would be fantastic if that happens um and then we could focus on other formats but i think it's important to kind of rally behind one maybe two like goats will always be there like right Let's yeah, yeah goats will always be there the format is literally goaded so, you know, that you can't stop that one. But I think Edison coming out of no, for me, Edison came out of nowhere, but I'm happy because it's a fair format, it's very fair, and you get a lot of turns. There's a lot of you go to be played, and apparently a lot of people fucking like it. A lot of people love the nostalgia of playing all these different decks. You could technically play Gladby, Lightsworn, Blackwings, all these things that people haven't played in a decade. You can play. So I really right. like it. And I'm glad that so many people are willing to uh to invest in it in person. They're not just playing it on Dolly Book, like people are buying the, the price of Edison cards has gone up so much in the last three months because of all the posting about it. And we talk about it on the podcast a lot. And then those tournaments that are being uh, hosted by Keegan and E3 Yu-Gi-Oh! and all that. edit and Edison, there's there's discords that are just Edison format. And I, I yeah, there's a lot. I think the last thing I want to say, and this is one of the reasons why I really back Edison format. When I saw the website, Edisonformat.com, that sold it for me. Because that website makes this all possible. I don't think any of this is possible without that website. That website is insane.
1: Oh, yeah. It gives everyone a super strong basis to even get into the game. It makes the barrier to entry really low. It so. makes
0: it so low. You can literally go on there, click on a deck. It'll give you a link to download it, write a dueling book. You don't have to type anything. You can just start playing. And they have a yep. ton of decks. So it's like, for me, that was amazing. But then also, one of the biggest hurdles that you're going to have with old formats is always going to be old rulings. And the website has all of the rulings from that format. And I cannot tell you how often I'm playing with my friends on DB. And then we come across a scenario that we have no idea how to work, how to work through it. And then we go on a website and it just tells us exactly how it works. Like that's, yeah, I didn't
1: didn't even know they had that because I come across weird rulings all the time. And I just, you know, scavenge Google to try to find it.
0: Go on that website and go to rulings and then you'll find they have it like A through C, then rulings D through, you know, and it goes like that.
3: Gotcha. Yeah. But
0: they literally have all of the rulings for Edison format as they were for Edison format. And that's really, it's amazing. It's amazing to just have that uh, resource because ruling questions come up all the time. Like I had one that came up that was Wave, What Future Fusion is about to summon my monster on the next turn. So we didn't know, does Wave cut off the Future Fusion? Does my monster still come out? Does it not come out? Like, how does that work?
1: still comes out right because yeah, you're not out. playing my card yeah, yeah it still
0: comes out in that format
1: um, and you can't oppression it either
0: you can't oppression it yeah when a monster but you can only oppression it when i play future fusion
1: right yep so yeah i had like that, that come up recently
0: so yeah stuff like that it matters a lot also there was one uh armory arm rearm, i think it was and if it killed a certain oh a dd warrior lady into armory arm rearm, i think it was like i attacked until absolute zero and he had armory arm equipped, and I wanted to banish both. And it was like, does armory arm burn me for 3500 Because no. But like, it doesn't. So, you know, right. knowing stuff like that is just super important. And that website has all these obscure rulings that come up kind of frequently the more I play Edison format. They just actually come up. So I just think that that makes, like you said, the barrier entry is so low. And if we all rally behind it, maybe we can get something real big started. But I think that these RBET tournaments, are already a big step in the right direction.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, I agree. I, I'm still conflicted on what I'm even going to play in, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, well, let me know. I'm interested to see. I also <laughs> want to talk Edison format with you at some point. Like me and you can just have an uh, offline conversation about it. uh Just what yeah. you think.
1: Yeah, I honestly love picking your brain because I, I I get a lot from you typically. So
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's like a, we're like a mirror of each other. I like I just like bouncing <laughs> ideas off of another good player because at the very least, like even if we're in the wrong direction, we can still figure out that, okay, this is wrong and this is right.
1: Right. And we'd even do it in DC and stuff too. So yeah, I remember like, yeah, but, uh, also thank you guys for not only having me, but for having this podcast, I know, uh, selfishly, I listen to you guys every week and it helps me get through my work day a lot of times. And, uh, even when it's over stuff that I don't even have much interest in yeah. just hearing your guys' passion about it. And a lot of times, you know, it makes me want to get into it or learn more yeah, about it. So I So, I, I love the podcast and I, I was fanning to even be on here today. So, yeah, I, oh, I'm man. so
0: glad you came on and I can't wait to have you back. You're one of my closest friends in the Oh community. One of the people I met from across the country who I legitimately enjoy hanging out with, haven't hung out with you in so long. A lot has changed in your life and a lot has changed in my life too. So I can't wait until the time we can actually hang out together again, maybe grab a drink or something. Uh, Hell yeah. I feel like the last time I saw you, you might not have been able to drink. So
1: <laughs> I probably wasn't.
0: <laughs> so likewise, the, 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 the pandemic is like a two year time skip that puts you at 22 years old. And a year before that puts you at 21 years old. So yep. anytime before that, and I had already quit Yu-Gi-Oh when you turned 21. So there was probably never a time where we were in the same place where we could have got it yeah, when you were 21.
1: I wasn't playing in 2019 either. So, so yeah, yeah. So
0: there's never been an opportunity. So yeah, maybe one time we can, we can grab food or drink or something. And uh, yeah, we can go from there, but it's a good talking yeah. with you, Marcus as always. If you want to shout out any socials or anything you got going on, you could do that. Uh,
1: I would just like to shout out uh, TGS. They're a store in Illinois and it's all my best friends. Uh, Oh, they own it and they also go there and to this day they still send me like t-shirts and stuff and nice. yeah i, I just yeah. love those guys and then uh if anyone isn't playing in the eb uh or rebt uh there's a goat format in cincinnati ohio at plus one gaming and they have insane prizes so check that out
0: nice all right sick well thank you and as i always say guys do the things that make you happy this is the i'm their podcast and we are out of here peace <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.